It's time for a bit of the old ultraviolence. We're talking Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. The necessity of the ESRB. Politicians blaming video games for everything since 1992. And that amazing song from the movie. I'm the well-read mage and this is MageCast. Joining me for one fatality of a podcast is Vladimir from Heroes of Gaming Podcast, a director and filmmaker turned podcaster interested in the elevation of unheard voices in the video game creation community. Together, we pop in a few quarters into the MageCast cabinet and sit down for a rich discussion on the making of, the reception of, and the lasting legacy of Mortal Kombat, the first game and the first movie. Listen and learn with us about the origins of this highly influential fighting franchise. As ever, you can support MageCast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where episodes are offered in early access before going live for the public. You can also learn more at thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, or find me on Twitter and Twitch at the Wellbred Mage. My friends, welcome back to MageCast. This is Moses, aka the Wellbred Mage. Having another episode with you now with a new weekly schedule. So more episodes, more guests, more magic. Finally, guests won't be DMing me anymore asking, when are we recording this again? Because we'll be able to actually get to more folks. So glad you're here. Uh, This will be a fun episode. So I've been talking with our guests beforehand. I always kind of like to get to know them a little bit first before getting into recording and found that uh, there's a lot of empathy back and forth between myself and my guest. My guest is Vladimir or Vlad from Heroes of Gaming podcast. Vlad is a director and filmmaker turned podcaster. So Vlad, how are you? I am doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Moses. Nice to uh, nice to be on the cast. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, And again, with it's, with the the twice a month schedule, it it had been a long time out that I think we planned this. So <laughs> yes, I'm excited to finally have you on. Yes, this is great. This is terrific. Love love the show. Very excited. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, so why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself? Um, I learned quite a bit about you just now, um, <laughs> but it's all fascinating stuff. I I definitely don't mind hearing it again. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, well, yeah, as uh, as you said earlier, I'm a I'm a director and filmmaker, um, and I uh, and I absolutely love you know video games. I grew up uh, from the very beginning. My first uh, system was an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, oh yeah, I got it for my grandfather. So um, you know, I've been I've been at the beginning of everything. You know, and I graduated to PC games, point and click, and Nintendo, and and uh, you know, I I was there when we you know, evolved into the, the Game Boy, Genesis, you know, uh, Super Nintendo, 32X, uh, Sega Saturn, PlayStations. You know, I, I followed the whole thing and I, and I, you know, Dreamcast, GameCube. I never, I never fell out of that loop. And, you know, I, even though I was teased or bullied or, or, you know, put in the corner cause I was a nerd for it. I just, I never, I never was without a community. And even if mm. that internet community didn't exist yet, I still had that community of local friends, of of even characters in the game. You know, I always had, you know, um, you know, to, I always got an opportunity to be the hero in those games, and uh, that uh, that made a real big impression on me. Those were the first stories that I could 
um, kind of control. Those are the first stories that I could role play into. And that made me fall in love with storytelling, which led me to uh, movies and films. And that's, that's what got me into uh, being a filmmaker. And especially with things, you know, uh, in the modern games, being able to change the angles or change the cameras or mm. like, you know, with Spider-Man, with photo mode, you know, I go crazy on that stuff. So <laughs> I bet <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, the idea of never being without a community having just moved recently, I think that's especially resonant <laughs> to my life's experience. Uh, it's, it's, it's not something that I had to either. I think that that makes it stand out to be to me a bit more as you say it. Uh, I dropped out of gaming around the 2010s, maybe late 2000s, and didn't really come back until uh, later in that decade. I was pursuing other hobbies and yeah, things like of course, that. yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, how wonderful to be there for it all, essentially to to <laughs> to kind of see these things evolve. Yeah, like, I, that was I, really cool. Yeah, I stuck around. You know, I stuck around, and I did have you know, I did have friends that also like you know, took a break from it for a while, or they kind of hung on to a system and said, you know, like, oh man, things are changing way too fast. You know, I'm not going to, but, uh, um, you know, I'm just going to stick with my, you know, and, and I, sometimes I bet on the wrong horse, you know, sometimes I, mm. sometimes I stuck with the Saturn cause the Saturn was my, was my, I love the Saturn. And then, mm-hmm. and someone was like, oh, you got to do the PlayStation. And I'm like, ah, no, no, no. Saturn. Saturn. Saturn's mine. Saturn's going to live forever. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. Never say die. Okay, yeah. then, well, I, well. I love Saturn. It might be my favorite Sega console. Yeah, for sure. Um, but poor Saturn. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's sad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they have the classics. Uh, and you know, Saturn introduced me to Resident Evil, uh, which I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll talk about later. But, uh, um, you know, it was uh, it was an incredible um journey even till now to amass all of this kind of knowledge and, and to be there for all these evolutions. And, uh, and I think that um, the game that we're going to talk about today is, is really exemplary in a similar journey. You know, it's, mm. you, you can follow video game history if you just follow this game that we're going to talk about. Definitely. Oh, that is, that is well said. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have a good podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So filmmaker, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the, some of the films that you made, maybe a project that you're working on now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I do a lot of, um, films that are in the independent community. So we do a lot of indie films. Uh, you know, I'm from Chicago, so we have a lot of Midwest films, um, and, uh, We've been working right now, and we're just bringing it to market, so it's not out yet, uh, on a Lovecraftian uh, film called The Letter. Um, and it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a PG-13, um, you know, kind of like a psychological murder mystery story. So think okay. like uh, Agatha Christie meets Edgar Allan Poe, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it should be, it should be pretty, uh, pretty thrilling and exciting, but I just, I, you know, I love those, those stories, especially, uh, Lovecraft, um, uh, big fan of Lovecraft and all the different things that he, uh, you know, he, he injected so much of his creations and things into, um, into the, you know, sci-fi universe and community. I mean, he's the one who invented Arkham Asylum, 
you know, for bad, yeah. for bad, for bad, <laughs> that's, you know? So yeah. like that sort of stuff like leaks into pop culture now. And now it's like, I mean, you can see it everywhere. So, you know, it should be yeah, exciting. I guess that's, that's how, you know, even though he's long gone, that's how, you know, you've made it. If you're like, you know, that's, this is Kafka S yeah. <laughs> this is, this is Lovecraftian. That's so right. You've be, you become a genre in yes. and of yourself. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Amazing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we can look out forward to that. Um, Thank you. I, uh, am I allowed to ask you where that's going to appear? Oh, I mean, yeah. You can streaming service. Yeah, or? totally. You can ask me that. Um, so how that works and just uh, real briefly, I'll tell you is that, you know, when you take things to market uh, in the film industry, you just shop it around to a few, a uh, few different distributors and, uh, and they have uh, a rollout plan for it. And those distributors say, you know, Hey, we're going to, give it to Netflix for eight weeks. We're going to give it to Hulu for 10 weeks or whatever. That's why you see like movies kind of bounce around. Like the office has been bounced around from like, you know, a different subscription, a different subscription. Um, uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll see whoever it gets sold to, then I'll be able to let everybody know what platform you can watch it on. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'll definitely look forward to that. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, and then you also run heroes of gaming podcast. Now, uh, that one has stood out right away you were talking about this earlier and I forgot to jump on it when we were on the topic. Um, you know, I remember being at the point where like, okay, I want to get into podcasting. And so you listen to podcasts, right? Right. You, you start to think, okay, what are people doing out there? What am I interested in doing? Um, sort of like the, sort of, you mentioned, that you wanted to create uh, the kind of podcast that you weren't seeing. Yes. Reminds you of that the oft-told anecdote of um, what's the Inklings, uh, Lewis <laughs> yes. and uh, Tolkien, right? <laughs> yes, uh, that's exactly write right. Write the stories you want to see in that's the world. That's right. That's very yeah. good. Yeah, that's that's very well I, said. See, I'm not well read READ, but I've read a couple books. <laughs> no, that's that's before. terrific. That's exactly right. I uh, <laughs> that's that's exactly right. I um. You know, during COVID, when uh, the filmmaking was uh, scarce and uh, things shut down because of protocols and that, and, and people couldn't be in the tight spaces together, which is, you know, exactly what 140 people do on a film set. You know, you're on top mm. of each other trying to trying to build things with lights and, and cables and cameras and gear and all this other stuff. But um, when you have an, an opportunity... Um, to just sit and think about, hey, where does this create it? Where does this, all this creativity, all the storytelling, where's my outlet for this right now? Because we got shut down. I thought, you know, video games, this has always been my home. You know, video games have always been there for me. They've always been uh, a kind of a, a wonderful, um, not just a comfort blanket, but as I was saying earlier, a wonderful community to to reflect in and, uh, and to find a kind of a sanctuary. Um, so I went online. I looked for a podcast that, that, cause I was trying to find the parallels in our industry, right? The grips, the gaffers, the sound designers, the, the editors, I was trying to find, okay, I want to hear from the voices of, of the same type of people, the behind the scenes people who create these stories, who, mm. who design these levels, who, who, who make this sanctuary for not just me, but for so many people, for, for billions of people. Um, for years, for decades, you know, and who do I thank? Who do I, who do I listen to? Whose voice can I hear? And I, I searched and, uh, you know, <laughs> Moses, I found, I found nothing. 
You know, mm-hmm. I found I found a lot of a saturation of people who play video games. I found a lot of saturation of people who want to be known as podcasters, who want to promote podcasting and things like that. And and I, you know, there's no, I, I'm more power to them. I'm very excited about the content that they're creating. Um, you know, no, no shame there, but mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing what I was, uh, what I was really looking for, which was the behind the scenes story that reverently um, just listens to, to someone that has done what I did, you know, getting two degrees in the film industry, get student loans, you know, not having your parents believe in you, getting bullied in school, trying to do an idea that no one believes in. Uh, even like we had a wonderful woman on the podcast who was facing sexism in a, you know, a male dominated field, you know, trying to be a worker in there. Like these are stories of struggle that, that nobody recognizes when you're playing Guild Wars 2, when, you, when, you're, when you're out there, when you're playing uh, games like, you know, even Space Invaders, right? You don't realize that there is a, that there is stories behind these games and there are people behind those stories. And so I, yeah. I wanted to, to, to find those people and to let them know that, you know, that even if it's been decades you know they're not forgotten, and the impact that they left us with is, is, is eternal and inspirational. And uh, to me, they're heroes. And, That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I don't mean to get. No, I'm, no, I'm, very, is, I'm very passionate about it. That is great. I mean, <laughs> you know? you're going to bring tears to my eyes pretty soon talking <laughs> well, about I, this I, stuff. That's I, good. Yeah. I just um, and if I could just finish this last point here. Sure. I, yeah. I um, the 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 idea was to to just tell them that that was, that was the idea at the beginning to just, to just call them and say, thank you, you know, and, and somehow, you know, because of my technical proficiency from my years of training in the film industry, I was able to record it, edit it, uh, put it on a website, design it, you know, fairly okay. And then, and then just, let it exist. And I did this for a year, Moses, for, with with no training, with no um, education on how to market it. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't get advertising. I did this for a whole year. And sometimes I would contact these folks for eight, nine months <laughs> and, and either not get a response, get lost in their mail or say, hey, yeah, circle back with me. And, uh, and eventually... You know, we, we got all the way to a, a place where I, I started to really resonate and and because and, it's hard, uh, you know, knowing who's going to be honest or, you know, have a integrous conversation. And uh, and I just let them know that I'm not out here for me. I'm out here for you, you know, because you've already been there for me <laughs> my whole mm-hmm. life. So, like, I mean. Uh, the least I can do is get you on a podcast for an hour and just tell it, just get you a venue so you can tell your story. So everybody Mm. can just hear what you have to say and hear what you went through. Uh, One of the people on the podcast is the creator of Qbert. He's got, he's got, (laughs) I did see that one. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's got like less, less than 50 followers on, on, on Twitter. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he's in Wreck It Ralph. You know, his creations are out there, and so I, I see that as you know, as a as kind of a a failing on on certain um, on certain marketing people that that uh, have 
you know, they, they are all, all promoting the game, but there are heroes behind what these creations are. And, uh, and, you know, I'm just here to try to try to bring, bring that uh, light to those voices that are, that are unheard. It sounds like the polar opposite of the outrage machine that you typically see. And right. uh, you know what, what I'm talking about. As soon as yeah. you laugh, I do, like yeah. I know what that is. Yeah, so, I know exactly what that is. With manufactured uh, anger at you know issues in games when there are human beings that work on these things. That's that's a really great concept for a podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, Thank you. So folks, I mean, if that's not, if that doesn't stir your heart <laughs> somehow, uh, you might be dead. You might want to get that checked. <laughs> so go to, you know, listen to this conversation. And when you're done, please do go to heroes of gaming uh, and check out Vlad's podcast. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Let's go ahead and get into our main topic here for the evening. We're going to be talking about, Mortal Kombat, or as Raiden would say on the movie, Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) My wife pointed out, she was like, we're going to talk about the movie later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife was like, why is he talking like that? I was like, because he's the thunder god. He can do what he wants. Yeah, he can do do what he wants. Nobody calls him out on it. No. Uh, This is Magecast episode 69, entitled Mageality. Flawless podcast. Mortal Kombat was developed and published by Midway, launched in 1992 for the arcades. A couple of mage facts to get us started. And, uh, you know, again, my, my not knowing your involvement in, in the film industry, I wonder if you have some insight on this. So real actors were filmed and their likenesses used for the original game, either by digitizing them or rotoscoping. Though... I tried to get to the bottom of that. I thought it was rotoscoping for most of my life. Um, a la, you know, like um, another world or out of this world kind of thing. Prince of Persia type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ran into some people today doing a little bit of research. who were like, no, it's not rotoscoping. It's digitizing. Uh, and people were actually arguing about this. Is it digitizing or is it rotoscoping? I watched some of the footage, obviously like there's, there's tons of it. You can find, you know, the original like camcorder handheld recording. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of them filming the actors doing punches and kicks. Uh, And so I guess then it's not rotoscoping in that they didn't draw or animate over the top of the actors, but they just took the photographs and digitize them in or scan them, whatever it is, straight into the game. Do you have any insight on that process? Yeah, I well, very little, because um, it's it's John Tobias's um, kind of uh, brainchild to do that. Um, they did it, uh, you know, obviously before. Uh, there's a game called Pit Fighter that they did this. Mm-hmm. They did something very similar for, but it's it's very very clunky. Um, if you've ever played it in the arcades, it's, and people know what I'm talking about when I say clunky, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the process is kind of a combination of the both and it's, um, and it's really a proprietary at, uh, at, uh, Midway, you know, when, when they first started, uh, doing this process and John Tobias is a genius when it comes to, and a visionary when it comes to this process. And he was, he was up all nights doing it. 
Now, I had the opportunity to actually interview one of the co-creators of Mortal Kombat and um, and the man who plays Johnny Cage. Ah, oh, cool. And um, he also plays Scorpion, Sub-Zero. <laughs> and, and Reptile too, right? And uh, uh, well, at the time, there was no Reptile. So it was just, oh, it was just okay. Smoke was and Noob Sabat. And and uh, and I think yeah I think that's that's all he's he's credited to because uh, he's okay. in Mortal Kombat one and two and then Ed Boon and John Tobias uh, edged him out of of that and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing but um, okay. when we started uh, our conversation together that's one of the first questions I asked him was how did he come up with this process and he explained that it was John Tobias's. Um, you know, design, you know, his, his whole idea was to do this. Um, and, uh, and that process was taking all those photos, doing the camcorder work, but also building out those hit boxes, those big square squares of tape on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to, they had also a certain ceiling height that they needed to be. And, uh, uh, they had to rotoscope out the, um, the, uh, uh, st- uh stairs and different things that they used for all the jump attacks. Um, right, because they, they, they had them posing on stairs. Right, you could <laughs> yeah, tell when they're amazing. jumping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could tell when they're jumping; they're kind of sitting in the air, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, th- that's from what I understand about that. Uh, it was, you know, it was revolutionary. And Ed Ed Boone is the, uh, you know, he's the programmer, and he's the one who made all that uh, stuff possible. And when they tried to fit in another character. Um, I remember uh, that they had a problem uh, because of the memory and the amount of graphics that they had put into it. And so oh, they, yeah. they uh, just changed the color of one of the ninjas. <laughs> that's how you get. Yeah. That's how you get Sub-Zero and Scorpion. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how much space, uh, you know, limitations back then, especially for the home ports. I can't imagine how much space some of those would take up and, talking with a couple folks they were like oh yeah Kano was missing from this version and so and so was missing from that version and this character was cut from this version right. and, and probably comes down to a, a dartboard and limitations <laughs> they were like Kano your time to go yeah 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 Today. absolutely and um yeah it's it's uh it's crazy and i yeah i suppose we'll talk about more more of it with the actors and things like that um but it is a um it, it was originally a process to uh, uh, to try to discover, and the way Master Daniel Piscina, that's who Johnny Cage is, the way he puts it is that, you know, him and his brother, Carlos, uh, Carlos plays Raiden, um, mm-hmm. and they, uh, they were playing this game called Ninja when they were kids. And what they would do is they would, and John Tobias was like, you know, one of the neighborhood kids that would come around and hang out with them and they were in martial arts, right? So they would perform as two ninjas. They would take their dad's, um, her dad was a construction worker and they would take uh, the cement, the cement bags that would cut them open and fill little pouches with cement. And they would throw them at each other like fireballs. And they would, they would <laughs> leave these like, you know, boom, like these, these imprints, right? <laughs> like on their, you know, on the black ninja suits. So they would, you know, oh, th- that person got hit or this. And they would go to the park and they would perform this, basically this game called Ninja, where it would be the two of them fighting. I mean, can you imagine like, like in 1988 or something like that? Like 
seeing Mortal Kombat live before the video games invented. That's pretty crazy. It's crazy, wow. right? And so, yeah. and so, I think John Tobias is like watching all this and absorbing it. You know, I don't want to speak for him, but like, you know, I imagine being around these guys continuously and then asking them to come in for a you know a fighting game, you know, some sort of some sort of uh, Street Fighter style fighting game. Um, that is, uh, I mean, that, he couldn't pull that image away. Wow. I, I have to echo what Yemi the ferret said. It's still so interesting to see the behind the scenes footage of the old Mortal Kombat games. It's fascinating. Honestly, I got to agree. It is fascinating. I kind of fell into <laughs> like a pit of just, I called it research, but I'm just watching a ton of amazing videos. Watched a really cool interview today where uh, the actors who played Liu Kang and yeah. Johnny Cage uh, Robin, I can't remember his last name. Um, I beg your pardon, Robin, if you're listening. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it Cho? Uh, Robin Cho? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, they played their characters in a Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet against each other <sighs> together. <laughs> I was like, that's so rad. That's so that's awesome. awesome. That is really, yeah. really cool. That is great. <laughs> it was a tie. It was a tie. <laughs> was I was it? like, how, oh, yeah, wow. how awesome is that? <laughs> like, he can't beat that. Oh, that's perfect. So wholesome. That is very uh, wholesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, next mage fact here, naming the game during development proved difficult with discarded suggestions such as Dragon Attack, Death Blow, and Fatality. Now, this is an interesting point to me because I think that, uh, I mean, you know, as, as a creative person, naming the thing is almost like the 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 acceptance of ownership over that thing. It is the the crystallization of the concept. Yes. When you name something, okay, okay, this is what this is now. Uh, and not having a name has got to be difficult. Um, but I'm so glad they didn't go with like Dragon Attack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, me, me too. And I don't know who is responsible. I'd love to do some digging in this. I don't know who's responsible for the K in combat, you know? Yeah. I think that's and really a really unique way to 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 make it to make it unique. That might be, it feels like a Ed Boon move, but like it, it, it's the K is more, it feels like a kick, right? Like the word kick, right. you know, it just, it feels it's harder than the, than the C like visually to look at too. It, it, it's got a little more, uh, well, there's, there's this idea of in, uh, in visual design of, you know, the spikier things we right. translate as, you know, harsher, and then the softer curved things we translate as softer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, with a K, it's Mortal Kombat right. rather than Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. So, but calling it Death Blow, I, there were so many games at the time, early 90s, starting to get into the 90s edge scene. Uh, There's just like Ninja Vengeance Warrior and all kinds of games like that. Right. That just, doesn't stand out, but Mortal Kombat sure it rolls off the tongue. Oh, it's perfect too, you know. And I think, yeah. I think it it also um, is internationally uh, recognized. When I spoke with a few other folks from Midway, um, you know, they they would tell me that you know they they really are focused on arcades first. You know, they weren't focused on consoles or anything like that. They were saying, how many, you know, we want to get quarters in the machine. 
you know, and, and how do we do that? It, it's, we got to have the box art, right. The name's got to be right. And it's got to be able to translate through all these different cultures, all these different languages, all these different places. Um, so they think about that mass distribution of that arcade box. Um, so that's, uh, so I think that they went with the right decision, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> After the thrilling success of the Gaia Seed Kickstarter, transmedia company Bifrost Bridge Studios has turned its sights to Patreon. Through their crowdfunding campaign, you can gain access to the page-by-page -page graphic novel blending neurodiversity with utopian ideals, their science fantasy tale, Gaia Seed, as well as high-res digital content and rare physical content, even awesome retro gaming gear such as we've been giving away on Wednesday nights on Twitch. Help build the future by encouraging technical literacy, and empowering young voices by visiting patreon.com forward slash Bifrost Bridge Studios. Link in the description below. September 13th, 1993. I don't remember it too well. I think it was eight at the time. Uh, but that was called Mortal Monday, a highly publicized launch of the game for home consoles and handhelds simultaneously. So you just brought up the arcade version. Mm -hmm. Um I'm actually more familiar with the home console version, despite having what I would say, I, despite having grown up in the arcades, being very familiar with a lot of arcade games, having favorite arcade games um, and favorite hangout arcades as a kid. Yeah. I don't recall seeing the first Mortal Kombat too much. Two and three, sure. But the first Mortal Kombat, much more experienced playing on home console. Uh, how about yourself? Did you play a lot of the arcades or did you play it more at home? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, uh, I I wasn't allowed to have Mortal Kombat at home. That's oh, uh, wait, I can't imagine why <laughs> yeah, that that was a very that was a very and, and we'll get into this later. That was a demonized game that that especially at, at home. They thought that that game, the violence was so, so strong and. The um, the mass media scared scared the life out of my parents and and about everybody. You know they you couldn't, but they did the same thing with like magic cards and Marvel cards and all this other stuff. There was a lot of um, a lot of misunderstandings back then about uh, the different creative directions that that these stories were evolving to. Um, but I remember my first time. I remember my very first time. I walked into the ground round in Michigan, <laughs> in Michigan. It's like a, it's a little restaurant. It's kind of like a Applebee's or something, uh, or like a Chili's, but it's called the ground round. It's in Michigan. And they had just purchased a brand new mortal Kombat machine. And I've never seen it before. And uh, it's in the small arcade section for kids. So we're going in there for, I can't believe I'm remembering this Brian Domingo. If you're out there, <laughs> happy birthday. So it was Brian Domingo's birthday party <laughs> and we were going there and I remember everybody walking in and I turned to the right and there was just this crowd, this crowd of older kids. You know, you always wanted to hang out with the older kids mm, when you're a younger yeah. kid. crowd of older kids standing around this game that had who I would eventually, you know, have this conversation with master Daniel Pacina as Johnny Cage on the side of the entire um, arcade system doing this insane jump kick, like screaming and th that was, that was plastered on the side of this arcade. And I'm like, it's, and it's like, you know, fiery red and black on the side. And I, I was like, this is awesome. Like what are these guys playing? And I, I sneak over their shoulders and I take a look and I saw Johnny Cage fighting Raiden. 
and all the blood and all the intensity. And the two kids were just like sweating, playing this game. And <laughs> it was like, I was hooked. I was like, this is, I mean, this feels like these two kids are in actual combat. They feel like they're actually fighting each other. This is amazing. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like Street Fighter. And I, you know, it was, it had such a maturity to it. And it, and I don't know, maybe it was because I was seeing older kids play it, but hmm. I, I just got a sense of like, this is next. This is, this is the next thing. And it was, I mean, in, in some regard, I feel like it, it's, it shocks me to see Mortal Kombat releasing in 1992. Uh, that sort of game seemed to come into its own yeah. in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like earlier I said, nineties edge, everybody knows what that means, <laughs> but uh, how impressive I, for me, that experience was with the game primal rage. I don't know. If yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. The dinosaurs. Earth is spelled I mean, with a U in that one. Yes. <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> You're trying to Spelling, learn how to write yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> But oh, come on, dinosaurs, Jurassic Park era, like super cool. Oh, and I remember that and some of the early crossover fighters out of Capcom, mm-hmm. um, a lot of older kids surrounding those cabinets and that 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 draw of like, OK, this is what sophisticated people are interested in. Now I'm like, yeah, that's what 15 year olds are interested. In. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but back then when you're eight or nine. Yeah. That that's such a draw. Um, and I really miss that energy of the arcades when there would be a new game that would come out. And back then it's like, I mean, what a surprise back then. Cause there's, there's, there was no attachment, especially for me. I mean, no attachment to any kind of internet community or gaming right. news. I grew up in Hawaii. So I like, I didn't, I wasn't attached to any, any gaming news at all. Right. And when a game just appeared in the mar- in the arcade, one week, uh, then it was like, that was the new thing. And when a new game came out, like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this existed. And you see it at a blockbuster or, you know, at a, at a, at a store. Right. Um, it's just such an amazing experience. And definitely in the arcades, I mean, say kids sweating. Yeah. There was so much sweat. I mean, it's, I sweat. I don't know. It's the last Coca-Cola, all of it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I used to see the quarters really on the is. rim, you know, quarters oh, yeah. on the rim. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's before yeah. there was tokens, you know, the, the quarters, you know, and it's uh, um, because, you know, that's how people would collect like vending machines. Now, you know, they, they, uh, um, they had quarters on the rim and you would just play, you would just see kids just, just crank out games. And it was so, and the, and the, the, the voice effects, the, the intensity of it. And to, to interview, you know, have a conversation with, with the hero from that game, Johnny Cage. Um, and I mean, he, he's attributed to uh, inventing, uh, in contributing to uh, inventing the uppercut, like having the idea of, to uppercut and also doing, you know, talking about and designing all these fatalities. He brought his sunglasses one day and he said, what if I put my sunglasses on? And it's like, all of a sudden this becomes like huge iconic things. And they're doing this, in the basement of some, you know, some side building at, at, you know, Midway, you know, just like with tape on the ground. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you, you, you'll hear that podcast, you know, at some point, but like, that's when he talks about like, you know, the, the janitors coming in and pulling the tape off the ground because they didn't realize what they were doing. You know, that's, that's, that's to me, that's like, 
no one realizes that these guys are creating history, like gaming history uh, w- yeah. with their choices, you know, with all these choices. Yeah. I mean, you get the sense that they didn't even know. I right. Mean, you know, right. Like you're just, you're just making a thing uh, and it's exciting to come up with new ideas, but I'm sure nobody predicted it was going to, no way, you know, become as big as this. Uh, fantastic. I mean, that, that's really cool. Definitely going to link to that. Uh, that sound bit there. So folks, if you want to hear about that story from the man himself, uh, check out the the podcast description. One more mage fact here. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I've said this before a couple of times. Mortal Kombat is the gremlins of video <laughs> games. Uh, gremlins, the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Just as gremlins helped create the PG 13 film rating. As far as I know, again, I'm a layman. I've, I've not worked in the film industry. Mortal Kombat, along with Night Trap, few others helped create the entertainment software rating board the esrb a self-regulatory content rating system uh we're going to talk a bit more about that whole situation as we go through so uh to avoid kind of just that the the wealth of that conversation here front loaded let me ask you a question Vlad. yeah mortal Kombat or street fighter <laughs> Great question. Great question. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, what's, what's, what's the line in road to El Dorado? Both, both is good. Both. <laughs> both is good. You can have both, okay. fortunately, because they both exist. Right. Uh, do you have a, a better question phrased? Uh, do you have a preference? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, you know, being a part of, you know, video game history, you know, kind of following it, all the way through, I've always been excited for the evolution of, of games, you know, and, and that doesn't necessarily, evolution doesn't necessarily mean better. You know, it, it just means, it, change, it just yeah. means change. And it, and it also, yeah. it also could mean, you know, a higher level of maturity, right? Mm-hmm. So you can even see, um, you can even see things like, you know, Street Fighter kind of um, getting more mature um, after Mortal Kombat comes out. You know, and and so and and you also find that they kind of lend a few things to each other. You know, you can look at like Tekken or um, any of the other uh, fighting games, even like Virtual Fighter as it as it came out. Um, It was all very, it was all very interesting. But Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter do get compared a lot uh, together. I'll just break it down like this: Street Fighter, uh, for me, is um, just I mean, it's a near perfect game. It's a near perfect game. The, the, the combo systems and even the imperfections in it, right? Like even like, for example, Chun Li can uh, is the only character that can bounce off the side of the screen, you know, mm. um, which is inc- incredibly advantageous to any like you know strategic uh, fighter. Um, but the the combos and the playthrough and the, and the powers and the fact that it is totally diverse. I mean, literally diverse from all corners of the world. You get to see different fighters and different uh, cultures. Um, the first time I ever saw it, uh, Japanese kanji was in uh, street fighter. You know, mm-hmm. that that was, you know, I, it was in it. And, and I never saw sumo wrestlers before. And I mean, I know street fighter is obviously that, that exaggerated version of that, but it is an, right. it, it is a form of introduction into a culture. So I, I thought it was really wonderful. Yeah, no, that's that, a fair point. Yeah. Um, and I never really thought of that again, in Hawaii, there's such, such a large 
uh, Japanese population that there's absolutely a fusion of West and East. That never dawned on me that that would be the first instance of somebody seeing these elements from Japanese culture uh, in a game like Street Fighter. Uh, now I, I take it we're talking about Street Fighter 2, right? Correct. I've never yeah. played Street Fighter 1. I've seen it, but <laughs> yeah, Street Fighter nobody one really is... talks about Street Fighter 1. <laughs> right, yeah. We are referring to Street Fighter 2 because that's the, that's the you know, Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter 2 Special Edition was often the arcade uh, version that everybody played here in America. And uh, and I and I certainly had it for uh, Super Nintendo. That was a, a game that was very often played in my house. Uh, Street Fighter Two for Super NES. Um, that was a big deal. Uh, having those characters, also those characters and those sounds, were so iconic. The music was amazing. The music was amazing. Mm, um, yeah. And and that's just such a well crafted, perfect game. Uh, it's 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 hard to ever compete with it. But when you look at Mortal Kombat, you know Mortal Kombat's not necessarily known for its music. You know, it's not even necessarily uh, known for uh, this the the gameplay. You know, it's 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 got such a incredible look to it. At the time, the graphics were just off the chart. Having these real people in there, that it made the game so much more visceral. When you're playing Street Fighter, it's like you're it's like you're inside a comic book, which is really fun. But when you're playing Mortal Kombat, you're like these guys are dueling to the death. It was so much more serious, uh, yeah, and, and and very. It was so much more intense uh, when you're playing it. And then of course, you know, you add in things like the blood, and and there was very little powers, you know, in Mortal Kombat, especially in the kind of beginning. You know, it was, it was even like Scorpion, like you know, he throws a rope dart. Um, and then he does like a, a ninja vanish and, and, and return. Um, you know, it, for me, that wasn't too fantastical, you know, and I, and I liked that because of its uh, grounded in reality, you know, um, in, in, in a sense, you know, in that kind of uh, right martial art sense, you know. Yeah. No, I absolutely. I mean, Street Fighter had a green monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the playable right, characters. Blanca, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's interesting to me to, to compare these games. And, you know, we're com- it, it seems unfair to compare Mortal Kombat 1 to Street Fighter 2 because Street Fighter already had that one game on its belt. If it's Mortal Kombat 1 versus Street Fighter 1, Mortal Kombat any day. Right. Street Fighter 2 is this, you use the term evolution, a really highly evolved, refined version of ideas set forth in street fighter one for sure. Um, I think that they are very different. Uh, certainly the most two, the two of the most influential fighters, um, fighting games, uh, and series of all time. Um, but I think that you, you really nailed a couple of things there. Uh, mortal Kombat's darker tone is in stark contrast to street fighters, brighter tone. Um, I think that Mortal Kombat lore is generally more interesting to me than, uh, you know, there's the whole the the other dimensions and Shang Tsung's this shapeshifter and they're having, you know, this ancient, uh, this ancient tournament and there's all these different competing factions. Uh, whereas like Street Fighter is like, are they just beating each other up on the street? Like, is that, <laughs> that's the title. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, you're absolutely right. I think that I think that uh, Mortal Kombat story is is incredible. I mean, the lore mm-hmm. is incredible, and I think that's why you see you see iterations of Mortal Kombat that are 
completely different from the last Mortal Kombat you play, you know? And, and I think that they are always trying to do that. They're always trying to, um, you know, they, they have some classics, some old favorites, but they, they continue the story. You know, they continue the story with Street Fighter. You know, when you even go to Super Street Fighter or, or you know, even all the way up to now or, or you know, when they start mixing stuff like Street Fighter versus uh, uh, X-Men or Capcom or, you know, um, it, it's it's just about the fighting. It's just about the, com- <laughs> the competing uh, to see who's the best fighter. And um, it's usually Ryu. So <laughs> or, or, or Ryu. Ryu is something. Yeah, say. depending on your preference. Yeah. I get that there's a story ish thing there with, you know, bison and stuff like that. And it's almost like you compare the mortal Kombat movie. And again, we'll talk movie later, but it's almost like you compare the mortal Kombat movie to the street fighter movie. <laughs> wow, and I a- think mortal Kombat had the spine as far as the lore goes. Yeah. Like, like watching the movie, I was like, Oh, this is just the game. Like this is, this is what was there. Right. And I mean, they're even doing like sweep the leg stuff, <laughs> doing like the right. moves from the game. Classic. And then you watch Street Fighter, you're like, is this the same Street Fighter? Or is this like, <laughs> yeah, like a different Street Fighter. Yeah, are we? You know, he's like a world terrorist organization, and you know, it's yeah, it's uh, um, and you know, I I really wish they would reboot Street Fighter. They would give it another chance, you know, just like they did with uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie. I would love to see you know a 2022 version of Street Fighter. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, done that way, because that would be I, I do think Street, Street Fighter, uh, unfortunately, gets a bit of a bad rap because they're, they did to me, they did Street Fighter 2 so perfect that the, the, the community does not want a lot of change there. You know, they don't. Mm. They, they, and when you see the iterations of Street Fighter kind of continue, it's like it, it's it's really just better, you know, kind of updated versions of the of the sim, same thing. Uh, but with Mortal Kombat, you're introducing heavy storylines, new characters, tons of new skins, tons of new mm-hmm. skins. Like Ryu is, you know, white gi, red headband, you know. <laughs> but I've seen like thousands of iterations of, of Sub-Zero or Scorpion and, and uh, you know, Katana or whatever. And um, it's so interesting, or, or most notably Reptile. Reptile is like different in every single Mortal Kombat game. You know, sometimes he's a lizard, sometimes he's a person, sometimes he's both. Um, So it's just very, it's very cool to see the people at Mortal Kombat, you know, what they, you know, how they choose to evolve the game in that way um, and just make it, make it darker, make it more serious, make the stakes higher. um, And uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, does that, yeah. Uh, yeah so i don't know if i'm no. answering your question though if i'm, cho- uh, I, if I'm choosing i think so uh it's difficult i think beyond a personal preference thing to because they are so different i think that's the the essence of what we're saying that it's difficult to compare them i think they do things better than you know each other that's an awkward sentence but yeah i think <laughs> that right. street fighter you know nails the the combos and that sort of um linking things together better um mortal kombat obviously has that element of realism to it uh there's a couple extra thoughts here on that uh to chime in uh at discolus on twitter said i enjoyed them both to exhaustion but i will paraphrase an expression i read back in the day in game pro magazine <laughs> and a little smiling face with a tear. If these would be sports, Mortal Kombat is boxing and Street Fighter is chess. First of all, I just like the idea of somebody calling chess a sport. 
That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> That's and it great. goes on here to say, if I must choose, Capcom's fighting dynamic is my thing. Both rock, though. Uh, I remember the uh, the expression in GamePro magazine that he's talking about. Uh, it had to do with, one, the intricate combo system that Super Street Fighter had just unveiled and Mortal Kombat had not yet embraced, and two, the way each character in Capcom had clear advantages, disadvantages from a movement and strength perspective, more strategy required. It seems like whenever I played, uh, and I was never good at either of these games, really. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, I mean, I was I was still pretty young, and like in 92, I was seven. Um, but later down the road, when we started getting into like Marvel versus Capcom stuff, that's like, okay, now I own this game. Right. Like, I'm going to take you for a ride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dig it, dig it, dig it. Dig it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Glad we got that singing in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I think that, um, you know, everything that was mentioned there, I agree with, I, I feel like whenever I played mortal Kombat, I was just like button mashing, just punch, just kick something will happen. Right. Um, whereas whenever I played street fighter, I was conscious of, okay, do you got to do the, the semicircle and then push this button? And that's how you do this thing. And then, oh, if I jump and kick here and then land and then do this, and then you can kind of string things together. So it did seem more strategic than mortal Kombat, but to mortal Kombat's favor uh at dave gladow said the game franchise wouldn't have succeeded without an inherent quality the violence gimmick gets attention gets people in the door but then you've got to keep them around mortal Kombat doesn't get enough credit for how satisfying it plays it has heft to it that's a good word impact that has it is a good word heft i want to say just like really briefly that 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 idea of weight of substance of something that that's how you can tell that something is there, that it exists, right? Like, so we all know air exists. Air has a weight. We don't really feel it. So we don't think about it all the time. Right. But like when you pick up something or when you collide into something, the fact that that thing has impact, that it has its own weight that you interact with, that tells you just on a basic level that it's real. And I think there's they're right. So you said Street Fighter's kind of got that comic booky Saturday cartoonish, I would say, kind of thing going on. Uh, not pure real physics, and again, not pure real physics in Mortal Kombat, but seeing real people getting punched and having that kind of kinetic energy to it. Well, I definitely think Mortal Kombat had that substance, that that heft. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And to take it a step further in the mechanics side, right? You even have like, I mean, let's just say like there are certain uh, levels in Street Fighter where you can actually, um, you know, uh, destroy a Honda Civic, uh, or or you can uh, or you can throw an enemy into a box, right? And the box shatters and things like that. And there are there are. And, and then it also goes slow motion, uh, you know, sometimes through um, processing power, sometimes through, you know, uh, the fact that your character is about to get dizzy. Um, but even in all those examples, there's not a whole lot of uh, the, the word heft is perfect because the gravity doesn't seem to really affect these characters. When I see E Honda jump, you know, 40 feet in the air uh, on Street Fighter, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's jumping the same height that Ryu's jumping. You know, but uh-huh. like, um, and, and, you know, and there's a, there's a, a agility bounce to that. Um, and it just feels like every character only weighs 30 pounds, but when you, mm-hmm. when you, uh, see the characters jump or when you, when the characters actually hit the ground, there's a, there's, there's a camera shake 
there's a there's a miniature bump on the screen, especially in the arcade version. You can actually feel the the, the screen just slightly uh, shift, and and that mm. that amount of impact, um, even uh, colliding with with the uh, with some of the people, it's 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 amazing to 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 feel the gravity of when people hit the ground or when they're you know they're thrown or or you know or when the fatalities happen. You know that's such a it's such an intensity. It really is. I, little, little things like that go a long way to creating that illusion. Obviously, again, these are digitized images that we're looking at. They're, they don't have heft. But to get your brain to, con- to be convinced that they have weight to it is really, really special, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Question from Joypad Lad: Is it whoopsie or toasty? <laughs> I've said toasty all my life. It's toasty. Uh, it, it's toasty. Yeah, it's toasty. And uh, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's toasty. I, I growing up, some of us thought it was hopty, but like you know, none of us. Yeah. You know, I mean, it depends on your speakers and and uh, system that you played it on. You know, but uh, yeah. it's toasty. That's the. It wasn't the clearest, you know, <laughs> sound clip either. It just pops in. Yeah. They're like, what? What exactly. did he say? Yeah, exactly. And I remember seeing that for the first time and just being like, that's silly. What did he say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now we can look it up. It's toasty. Yeah, it's toasty. It's toasty. Yeah. Characters. Uh, so the playable cast, Kano, Sonya, Johnny, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Raiden. I always want to say Raiden. Did they spell it with a Y in this franchise? I don't think so. I don't. Okay. I've never seen it spelled with a Y. I don't. I don't okay. think. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Now I gotta look. It's Raid Raiden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it was when Mortal Co- or um, gosh, I think it was. I think it was when Metal Gear Solid Two came out, and the character's name was Raiden. Yes. That my world fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no, is it Raiden or Raiden? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Liu Kang, of course, mm-hmm. and then unplayable characters uh, generally. I mean, I, I don't know how many cheats exist for the multitude of different game versions of this game, but Goro and Shang Tsung. A question from Duct Tape: Who is your favorite character, and why is it Johnny Cage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want me to go first, or you? Sure, yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, my guess. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so Johnny Cage uh, is probably my favorite personality. He's the only, if we are going to talk like all encompassing, if this character question is about like movies, anime and video games put together, like if it's all like, who's your favorite character Um, and master Daniel Piscina, the guy who is Johnny Cage. uh, I, you know, I actually spoke with and because of that, Johnny Cage has become my favorite character because now I know the man behind the, the myth, but Mm. um but Johnny Cage is the only character that does not take Mortal Kombat seriously. Like he's the only character that is in on the joke. Like he's almost, he's like one of the designers. Like, I feel like he's got like Ed Boon or John Tobias, a sense of humor that he's just like kind of making light of how serious this entire, this entire universe is. Everything else is like, you know, 
we have nine we have nine, uh, he, you know, Shao Kahn has nine wins. If he wins another, we're all going to die. You know, it's, it's so <laughs> intense. It's like, Oh my God, like this is the mortal cut. We have to win this one. You know? Yeah. So like, and Johnny's just like, which camera? Do I look right. For? Exactly. And he's got like, you know, in the movie, he's got like the autograph picture and everything with this. Yeah. I mean, like it's so, he's so <laughs> chill. And I think that brevity and that, um, that comic relief is, is, is something that people cling to when they, when they watch this stuff. So like in the recent Mortal Kombat reboot, um, I know fans were like, like furious, like where's Johnny Cage? He's not in the movie, you know, like this is ridiculous. And then, you know, spoiler alert. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, but you know, have you seen the film? I don't want to spoil no, it. No. Then, well, you know? well, I know. I know. <laughs> I, it's almost like, how can you spoil Mortal Kombat? Oh, right. Right. So like, so at the end of the film, he's like, you know, I'm going to Hollywood and like, what's in Hollywood. And then like, it shows like a movie poster for, for Johnny, for a Johnny Cage movie. So uh. it's like, now you realize that like, okay, so the makers of, of the new Mortal Kombat reboot they were saving kind of the best for the sequel, like to try to try to make sure that, you know, people would definitely come back because uh, having that, that brevity and that, that lightness to it uh, just remind, and you know, they tried to, they tried to do that uh, with the main character to try to give him some Johnny Cage esque sarcasm, like mortal Kombat. Mm. Look, they spelled it wrong, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. But, <laughs> but um, with, uh, I think that's why Johnny Cage is so likable. And if I, if I could just say that my favorite character that I love playing is Raiden. He's my mm-hmm. Raiden and Liu Kang are my two favorite uh, go-to players. Nice. Uh, that was all very well said. <laughs> I, you know, it gives me more respect for Johnny Cage. Uh, I feel like there's a very interesting dynamic of like a, a Ken and Ryu type situation here, where you have Liu Kang and Johnny Cage who are kind of especially in this game they're like the shirtless guys and they <laughs> right, right, right. there's not too much to especially if you don't have a manual or you don't know any of the lore it's just one guy has sunglasses and one guy does not but they both have shirts on right or shirts off uh but i i've always tended to think of Liu kang as the main character totally absolutely as as as, as the ryu of the series and then Johnny Cage is the meta comedic relief character, um, more like a Ken kind of uh, kind of thing going on. But playing the game as a kid, uh, I was more of a Sub Zero Scorpion uh, player. I think that Raiden, I really wanted to like, but I just couldn't perform his moves <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, I like so, I like the strategy of Raiden with his teleport, you know, and you could do it real easily uh, when all you do is press down up really fast. And what I was always fascinated about that was that was the first, and I remember this, this is the first fighting game that I played where you didn't have to hit a button to activate a special attack. And it wasn't an attack, right? It was just a movement, right? So it's down up and you didn't have to press like down up, you know, high punch, down up, low kick or anything like that. It was just down up. And I, I just, I love that, you know? Um, I thought that was a really cool, I thought that was just a really cool mechanic. Also, it's kind of like, you know, who else has a teleport in the game? I mean, Scorpion. Right. <laughs> Scorpion he teleports from one side to the screen to the other, or it's if you do it too close to somebody, it's just he just moves back a little bit, so it's like a retreat move. Um, but Raiden, he just appears behind you. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, it was really cool. So yeah, 
I I, I laugh because I I feel like it's. I was thinking about this last night. I was like, this is kind of really unfair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, matchup. I mean, you have like a literal god of thunder. You got Sub Zero can freeze people at a touch. Uh, Scorpion can pull his friggin' head off <laughs> his face <laughs> right. and just like melt you with his his skeleton fire. Right. And then you've got Goro that's just a monster with four arms. And Kano has a metal face. And then there's Sonya, Liu Kang, and Johnny Cage. They're just here to throw down and, and do their have best, fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's like that uh, age old argument about like who's who, you know, who's better, Batman or Superman? And it's about like Superman's like you know he's this super being from another universe and another planet, another all this solar system, and uh, and Batman works out a lot. <laughs> i mean like he works out a lot you know so it's like yeah what is like, the quote in uh the justice league movie what's your superpower again <laughs> i'm rich <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean you know it's tony stark's superpower too so that's that's good yeah yeah there you go <laughs> um so yeah hopefully that answers that question yeah yeah i think so yeah. a question here from abxy reviews how did you find out about reptile oh a secret character in the first one, uh, you had to punch somebody off of the bridge level. The pit. I think. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and I never could get reptile to show up. I never could get him to show up it, when I played as a, as a kid, but it was such a, a, a legendary thing. It was so like, yeah. you know, did you, did you see him? You know, it, did you get him? You know, like it was, a, it was like a, you know, around the, the, the water cooler, so to speak in, in the lunchroom, in the nerd circles of school, it was always, you know, I got him. You got him. Oh, how? Oh, yeah. It's like, you don't, you know, you have to be there. You have to be there. Cause there's no cell phones. There's no recording this event, you know, but uh, it was always fun to, uh, to discover these secrets in video games, especially when you bring up the blood code and all this other stuff. Um, you know, the secrets in these, in, that these game designers would do uh, for gamers is just, it's so wonderful. It, that to me is just such a, a really interesting connection between a developer, a, a game developer, a game designer, and just, and just a video gamer, they're just reaching out to them. They're saying, "Hey, look at, let's 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 sneak around Toys R Us. Let's sneak around all the uh, uh, let's KB toy stores. Let's let let's 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 not worry about who's selling you the game. It's just you and me here. And if it were just mm-hmm. you and me, let me let me let you in on a little secret. Let me <laughs> let me let me let me <laughs> let me tell you how to actually program this game the way it was supposed to be made." You know, and Midway was notorious for doing that. They did a blood code for NFL Blitz too. Um, and, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and they had a blood code, or they not a blood code, uh, a blood code for NFL Blitz. And Midway also did all the codes for uh, NBA Jam. You know, you could always type in codes for NBA Jam. Yeah, last time I played that, I played as Bill Clinton. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can <laughs> I can't Clinton. believe this is in this game. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I. At the risk of sounding like an old man, I really miss that from the golden years yeah. as we use that phrase pre-recording here. Uh, today, that would be like, oh, DLC character. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't be something that you would discover through word of mouth. Now, too, I mean, especially if you're involved in the online gaming community, word of mouth is instantaneous, you know. 
uh, this gets picked up by a publication and then that's it. Everybody knows about that's it. That's right. You post it online, done. It's it's yeah. it's there. But like back in the yeah. day, someone someone told me, literally, someone, I don't even remember who it was, someone told me to hold the select button down when I'm playing Battletoads and press start, and all my hearts would be full at the opening of the game. I would get two extra hearts. Battletoads is obviously notoriously difficult, uh Nintendo game, and and yeah, it worked. And it would have like this big thunderous sound. So it wasn't a glitch. It was designed by the developers as a secret between creator and player. I, I just, I love that, that kind of invisible yeah. line that's drawn there. That's great. Yeah, those kinds of secrets uh, and the ability to keep those secrets back then, I think was really yeah. special. Because again, now you, you can't really keep secrets like that. That's I too true. remember somebody in an arcade being like, Hey, you know, there was a secret character here uh, fighting on the pit level and be like, no, tell me and <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> and back then, I mean, there were, there would be hoaxes and people would make up stuff or pass on false information. I mean, how many fake hoaxes did you hear about reviving a certain character in final fantasy? So oh. <laughs> many, many, I actually found an angel fire website uh, not fire. too many years wow. ago. That is still up that you can look at with its ugly teal background and white text. Ugh. And it's got this super convoluted, like you get the white chocobo and you swim underwater and you get the secret materia that can revive and all this stuff. And it goes on and on and none of it's real. It's all bunk. It's all, it's bunk. all yeah, it's all, it's all, cap, it's all cap as yeah. the kids say nowadays. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's all, I mean, you can want to believe, but that there's nothing there. It's all lies. Uh, but with reptile though, how cool how cool uh yeah and when the movie came out and he's in there oh man oh, and green's my favorite color too oh, so nice. i was like oh my goodness yeah <laughs> well i mean i mean in the movie i mean that theme reptiles theme song rips i mean so good. it still kicks i love i mean that's like a workout song you know you go to the it gym is, and it's yes. bow, 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 bow. it's it's amazing yeah i was listening to it today so actually good. in preparation for this oh, podcast. Yeah, it's so good might have to end the show with that oh song. yeah I, I, yeah I'd, I'd love that that's great yeah uh all right moving on here to the violence mm. somebody please think of the children <laughs> uh somebody did and and actually a lot of people did yeah. at the time uh just callous wrote because of the controversy of the overly violent nature this game saw huge success in both arcades and consoles despite having arguably worse fighting mechanics than something like street fighter 2 not sure how to frame this as a question but <laughs> <laughs> just kind of leading us into the conversation yeah. thank you callus uh the the violence obviously you know how's the phrase go all publicity is good publicity right. mm -hmm. um, that if it can become infamous, there's still the word famous in infamous. That's true. Uh, and so, you know, this is one, I don't know how I ended up with, with a copy of it. My parents were fairly conservative growing up. When I say it was probably after my parents divorced that my mom kind of, you know, let a few things slide or didn't know exactly what games I had. <laughs> um, but right. at the same time, Obviously, there's the blood version, and then there's the sweat version, and I have the sweat version. I still have my childhood cart. Fired it up today, realized I still really suck at playing <laughs> Mortal Kombat all these years later, but uh, hilarious to punch someone 
and sweat comes and just out. like a, a bucket of sweat <laughs> flies out of their head or dust or dirt it like looks it, it didn't really look like sweat to me when i when i played no. it but it's yeah like, but yeah just to see like just a, a just a piff of of sweat is is hilarious and uh and I couldn't remember the blood code, uh, you know, thinking about our talk today. But when I put my hands in front of me, my thumbs remembered it, you know. Oh. It was A, B, you know, A, B, A, C, A, B, B, you know, and, I, and my thumbs remembered. Interesting. So you, uh, did you grow up playing then the, uh, besides for the arcades version, you grew up with a Genesis? Yeah. So so I, uh-huh. I didn't own a Genesis. My, my, my uh, friend did down the street. So whenever we would play... Mortal Kombat uh, or Vector Man or a Sonic, it would be on the Genesis at his house. And I I had the Super Nintendo and I never was able to get Mortal Kombat for for the SNES. Uh, I mean, so I was trying to think about the different versions uh, of these. There's obviously there's the there's the handheld version. I think it was Game Gear I, and Game I Boy. I did eventually get the versions. Game Gear. I did eventually get. Oh, the, you did? Yeah, okay. I did eventually get the Game Gear uh, version, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, back then there wasn't uh, cross play. There wasn't any like linking. No. Thing. So you were always yeah. just playing the computer. And the, um, but I love the lore. You know, I love the lore, and I love playing Mortal Kombat. And and um, you would always type in the blood code. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't play it without the blood code. It's not even worth playing. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, and you know, there. I, I, I we'll get into this, I guess, you know, in a moment here, but like. There are fighting games that have blood. There were games that came before this that had blood. Even Street mm-hmm. Fighter has blood. When Blanca uh, bites you uh, in his in his throw, uh, there is just a little piff of blood that comes out. Um, is that arcade version or did they super, did like super the Nintendo, Nintendo? Super Nintendo. Had, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't remember that yeah. at all. Interesting. Probably just slipped below, you know, oh. Nintendo's censorship radar. <laughs> yeah. On the idea of censorship, so I had a Game Genie um, at the time. Oh, very nice. Uh, with the Genesis and Mortal Kombat, I don't know that I even knew there was a blood code. Uh, I even had a Game Genie book. Um, <laughs> awesome. That had all the codes in it, but I don't know that there was one in there that said this is the blood code. Right. By the way, also so sometimes think, called the ketchup code. People would say, the ketchup code. Yeah, people would say that back in the day. The ketchup code. Yeah. It's a little cartoonish for blood. Let's say. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really look like blood. Right. At all. Um, on the on the topic of censorship. So I think that. You know, I want to hear your thoughts on this as a creative um, censorship is an interesting issue. Um, I think it becomes a little more nuanced when you're talking about censoring something for a port of something else that exists. I think when people are like, I am firmly anti-censorship, they're talking about reducing or annihilating the original version of that thing. Right, correct. Whereas what we're looking at here with Nintendo's uh, dedication towards censorship for what they deemed to be a family friendly device. Uh, and it's questionable what even was all on the super Nintendo library in North America. Like you just pointed out with, with street fighter, um, they're censoring a version of the game for that specific platform, because that specific platform has certain goals and, and a vision for it. Uh, they're not annihilating or replacing, the arcade version. So 
just maybe broadly, I mean, I don't need, again, like Callus, I'm not sure how to phrase <laughs> that as a question. Right. But do you have thoughts on censorship? Was it, it at the time? And I get this was totally a thing at the time. People were like, oh, yeah, the Super Nintendo is the baby version. The Genesis is, you know, the real version. Arcade is the, you know, the, the ultimate for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I have a, I have a few thoughts on this, actually. <laughs> um, so the, um, yeah, the, the idea that Nintendo was, I feel, especially at the time, even as a young, uh, young kid, I, I kind of understood that they were just trying to step back from what was essentially a, uh, a, a, a scare like a really big scare of parents actually getting involved. Did my parents care that I was playing Bayou Billy, Hogan's Alley, um, (laughs) you know, Castlevania, or did they care that I was playing like techno cop or any of these, any of these games that actually had like violence in it? Like Bayou Billy is like one of the, and Hogan's Alley, I'm shooting people with a gun, (laughs) with a light, with a light at my TV. This isn't duck hunt. I'm not hunting for ducks. I'm shooting people. Right. I'm shooting people, you know, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and these people have guns on me. And it's like, and it's a very mature storyline with a, with a cigar smoking uh, dude who kidnaps this, you know, a vivacious woman, you know, and I'm, I'm some like crocodile Dundee guy. So it's, it's a, you know, and even games like Castlevania are, are very, uh, the, you know, even the soundtrack was very disturbing. The the elements of it are very scary, especially to a young, you know, a young kid. And my, yeah, my, oh, and just briefly before you continue yeah. on that, I I mean that Castlevania was out was ruled out in my house, uh, uh-huh. and that was that was my dad. He was like, you're not you're not getting stuff with, you know, the vampires, demons, crosses on the front of it, and none of that stuff. And so I didn't really have that that kind of experience. Um, like I said, somehow Mortal Kombat slipped under the radar. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't know where, <laughs> but it's a good point that you raise. I mean, Mortal Kombat's not the first violent video game or even the first extremely violent video right. game. But I think in many regards, it became a martyr for that cause. A hundred percent. And that's, and because it, it was such a flagship for all these people, uh, all the censorship people to get behind and they could point out, you know, three or four of the more grotesque pieces of the game, which would be, you know, like the pit Sub-Zero's fatality, which is the spinal cord, you know, rip. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, you know, Kano's fatality, which is pulling the heart out of the dude. You know, this is literally a couple people in a basement thinking what was cool in the 70s and 80s because they were trying to make like a movie-ish, you know, a movie-ish version of a kung, you know, a kung fu movie into a video game, and to and to to know that these things already existed on film, and uh, that they're just using these tropes, like the heart rip is like, you know, I mean, you got uh, Roadhouse, <laughs> you know, movie Roadhouse has got the classic throat rip, but um, oh man, Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom, that dude. traumatized me as a kid, <laughs> Temple of Doom, of course, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, that was in you know. That was Kano, right? So, like, but um, they weren't going after Spielberg. They weren't going after any of this stuff. You know, this was a this was a, an attack on uh, video games, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and censoring them. And um, it was the first time that my parents took an interest, or and I started to notice like neighborhood kids and even teachers at school. They started to take an interest in video games in general and what we were doing, and they immediately just thought that they were bad. And that was why 
especially at that time, and even I guess that, that residually carries out into into me as an adult, is like it was a just a one sided piece of of misinformation that they were getting, and they were using it as a blanket statement for all video games and like video right. games, you know, uh, cause violence and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and to just, to just say like, you understand that, that Terminator, one of the most violent, <laughs> you know, movies <laughs> ever come had like three video games on Nintendo and super Nintendo. And, right. and the kids wouldn't be able to understand this game if they didn't actually see the rated R movie. And parents would let kids see rated R movies and they would associate oh, yeah. with the game. RoboCop. And then they would take them to go buy the action figures afterwards. Absolutely. Right. So like you're marketing (laughs) this IP that is clearly designed for adults (laughs) to children. (laughs) Right. Exactly. What a weird time to be alive. I feel like movies got, you know, had, had it well with parents a, a lot of the times because it's like, it's movies. They've been around for a while. Whereas games as technology, as an industry still relatively young. Uh, I feel like what was special about Mortal Kombat in regards to it being the center of this controversy and not say like Doom right. or, Which would or Hogan's Alley. Yeah, well, that would eventually come into the conversation. Oh, well. of, yeah, absolutely. I feel like, though, that's that's part of the investment of interest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mortal Kombat is this this ground zero of controversy. And I, I want to say that that's probably distinctly because of a few factors. Doom is a PC game. Uh, at home though, Mortal Kombat was on your kids consoles, right? Mortal Kombat was in the arcades where your kids hung out, right? You in a uniquely different kids. space mm-hmm. with other kids. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a parent now thinking back, I wonder, so, I mean, it's super easy to demonize people from like 20 years ago, <laughs> right, right, of course, right. <laughs> but, but now thinking about it, it's like, I wonder how I would have reacted if like, I always thought every, you know, if I was the parent that called video games, the Nintendo, Hey, you go, go turn on the Nintendo and you can shoot ducks or <laughs> yeah, do whatever you, you know, collect want. mushrooms, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Something safe. And you know, potentially thought that it was a fine pastime. Uh, and then suddenly they turn on the Nintendo and you know, there's somebody ripping somebody else's heart out. Even if that was <laughs> right. the Genesis. Version. Yeah. They turn on uh, you know, Ted Koppel and it's like tonight, are your children learning martial arts behind your back? That's you know, another like, thing is definitely the, uh, Oh, what's the word? The, um, the, the, for lack of a better term, the discussion that was being passed around from alarmist uh, media. I mean, let's let's be fair. Not much has really changed in in a, in a way. Right. Uh, media is still a lot about you know creating a sense of a. The, here's something you should be horrified about today. <laughs> right. You know that's because that's how they get views. Right. right. If you're horrified, you're going to listen. Absolutely. And then at the same time, once politicians get involved with pontificating, soapboxing, uh, trying to make mountains out of molehills. That's literally what politicians do. Mm -hmm. And so this whole event that started to conjure it, to my mind, it seems like a storm gathering. Yeah. And then it it all went down at the U S congressional hearing. And so when you watch that, uh, it is really interesting to see Nintendo try to take the, the higher ground, you know, and demonize, uh, 
villainize Sega and be like, well, we took the blood out. And I mean, look at our gun. It looks like a cartoon gun. Right. Their gun looks like a real gun. Yeah, throwing them under the bus. <laughs> it's oh, dirty. Well, back, it was dirty. Oh, yeah, back back, back yeah. then, that was they were doing lots of uh, mudslinging campaigns back then. In fact, Sega Genesis is notorious for having a slogan yeah. that Sega does what Nintendo don't. Oh yeah. Uh, if you don't know that, if you're listening and you don't know that slogan, for shame. That is one of the greatest yeah. slogans. Of all and time. it was all about it was all about like you know us versus them and trying to not you know and, and it was and it became that way you know like are you an NES household or are you super NES household or are you a Sega household it was it was and you know you wouldn't get both you you wouldn't get both I mean back then it was just like um, it was wild it was really wild uh, yeah that that yeah. mudslinging yeah and and I mean I knew very few kids who had both very few right and uh, I have an article here from uh, from the citizen's voice from 1993 uh, do you mind if I read a small section of it well, please do okay yeah. so uh, Senator Joseph Lieberman uh, Democratic uh, from uh, Connecticut flanked by Captain kangaroo and other advocates said that while these games, while these similar video games are protected as free speech, they are too violent to be played by children. Quote, few parents would buy these games for their kids if they really knew what was in them, Lieberman said at Capitol Hill during a news conference. Um, We're not talking Pac-Man or Space Invaders anymore, Lieberman said. We're talking about video games that glorify violence and teach children to enjoy inflicting the most gruesome forms of cruelty imaginable. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, now when you speak in that way, right, mm-hmm. how do you not become alarmed as a parent? Uh, yep. When you hear a politician say stuff like that, that that would scare me, you know? If if, yeah. if I had children, I, I'd say, well, geez, what, how is this content getting to my kids? How is it slipping past? Am I an irresponsible parent for right. for allowing them to play such things? It is absolutely emotional language. When you say this glorifies that as like an object of worship, like there is, there's maybe no stronger language that you could use to describe the situation as perceived. Uh, It's interesting in that, and this is, this is such the case with, with a lot of this stuff in so many different contexts in that there is the statement that you read that starts off, where like, okay, I agree with this. And then eventually it peters into, and you know, they're, they're, they're reaching through your television sets and hypnotizing your kids to go out and kill each other. Right. And that's where it's like, okay, I think you overstepped it a little, (laughs) because I would say that like night trap is not suitable for children. Absolutely. I mean, like I have a six year old, like I'm not, I'm not, Hey kid, today we're going to sit down and play night trap. I wouldn't uh, mortal Kombat by today's standards seems tame. And I get it. Here's the thing. When you're a parent, you're a parent of your kids. There are parents that try to parent other people's kids mm. and you can't do that by definition. Cause you're not their parent. You're your own kids. Parent. You're in charge of your household. Uh, you can offer tips and by George parents love to offer tips. Let me say when we had kids, parents are like, you need to do this, 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 and this follow my 10 step plan to, to parenting (laughs) every parent on earth. Uh, But you know, the emotional maturity of your child, you know what your child can handle. 
So I'm not going to, you know, pontificate to use that word again on this show about like, you know, you can only play Grand Theft Auto with your kid at this age, at X age. Right. Because it just doesn't work like that. There's no fine science to humanity. I mean, people might try to write that science to sell some books, but I, in my opinion, there's no fine science uh, to each that. Each person's different. Each person's li- right. life experience is different. You know. There's- now that said, again, I wouldn't be playing Night Trap or Doom with my kids. Uh, but if somebody did with their kids, that's their kids. That's their business. Where this statement that you read oversteps is by saying these games are instructing our children. And that's the whole thing that we're still struggling with, where media and politicians will still say, you know, when there's an unfortunate situation, when there's a horrific situation, people will say, well, he did play a video game. <laughs> and yeah. As if that's what caused the situation in the first, not, not our society's failure to address mental illness, right? Not our society's failure to, you know, make guns accessible in very specific instances, but Oh, he just played video games. That's such a patsy. It is. I I, I agree with that uh, completely. The idea of of blaming video games is just is it, it, to me it's 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 such a lack of of knowledge. To me, the only person that would say that is someone who does not play video games. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and that's evident in the people that say that on, on Capitol Hill or wherever. You know, video games are the cause of violence. Um, you know, there was a great statistic that came, that came out um, uh, recently. Um, you know, they they talk about like video games cause violence, but the largest video game being played right now is Minecraft, and it's and people are, <laughs> people are like creating like summer homes for their parents. You know, and it, so it's like it's like you know, if you give people access, they're not going to be you know this idea of them glorifying violence or them or them becoming you know, violent people, it is, it is not that it is. And as a matter of fact, in some, in some cases, people have all often uh, referred to video games as the, the best form of therapy for, mm-hmm. for issues of anger or feeling alone or, or, um, you know, uh, feeling mitigated in some way. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it can be a great, um, it can be a great comfort to a lot of people to, to be able to, um, feel uh, competitive or uh, to be excited about, um, you know, memorization or hand-eye coordination. And those things are, are really what gamers pull from this stuff. They, they, they get the same excitement at ping pong, uh, you know, playing, playing a game of pool or ping pong or something with a friend. You know, when you're playing Mortal Kombat with a friend, it's like, you know, you have a sense of competition. You 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 want you want to beat this other person, and you are friends afterwards, and it's a, it's an exciting experience to compete. And that's what it is. You're you're living out this fantasy of being a ninja. You know, all of us can't be be ninjas. You know, I I yeah. wish I could be Sub Zero or a Thunder God. You know, but but uh, what a better venue to do it in is than in this you know in this uh, um, video game. You know, they're not. Um, so but when I see people say that, you know, this, the video game uh, uh, breeds violence, I, I just, you know, I, I think it's the opposite. I think video games, you know, 
quell violence. I think they they mm. build creativity and they uh, certainly improve hand-eye coordination. I, I, I was reading this article about how uh, a lot of surgeons and uh, a lot of military people, they use Xbox controllers instead of the, the proprietary uh, controls that come with uh, surgery tools and things like that. When they operate robotically or they operate drones, they use uh, video game controllers because of their sensitivity and They've been practicing for years on that hand-eye coordination. Wow. So, That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard yeah, that. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, as with so many issues that affect us as a society, there are so many extreme voices. Um, seems like a good rule of thumb is just avoid the extreme voices that are willing to lump everything under a single umbrella because it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know... I mean, it's like on the one hand, sure, Mortal Kombat is a violent game. It's more violent than, say, Harvest Moon. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of farming sims. Yeah. And like, you know, it's it's more violent than Tetris. Yeah. Um, is every game like Mortal Kombat? No, of course not. Uh, is every game, you know, as benign as Tetris? No, I mean, at the same time, there's some, like, I've played some video games where I'm like, this is seriously, like, disturbing. Right. Oh, stuff. yeah. Especially um, some, yeah, some now, yeah. Yeah, where, I mean, like, played The Last of Us. Where I'm like, this is like, somebody put a smiley face on this thing. <laughs> like, I had to I had to take a shower after that. I was like, I feel just grimy and yeah. depressed. And props to people who only play things like that and maybe get what they need to out of those things. It's but, heavy drama. It's, it's heavy drama yeah. and infused in video games. And then you can also get, I mean, even horror elements, you know, games like Fa- yeah. fatal frame or agony or mm-hmm. any of those, any of those, um, you know, first person, um, experiences, um, they, they can be incredibly, uh, immersively, um, terrifying, and, uh, you know, yeah. you get games like Outlast or anything like that where you're not even given a weapon. You're not even given the ability to defend yourself. You just – all you have to do is run run and hide. And, um, right. and, and having experiences like that, it, it, you're right. That's not every video game. But some people are looking for, you know, looking for those thrills, looking for that uh, variety. variety and excitement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you're going to touch on uh, what uh, – statement here from Summerfelt R said, I would love to hear about how this game is connected with the emergence of the ESRB and how it was used during the 1993 Senate hearings on video game violence. I think that the best case scenario is what we got out of those hearings. Mm. Um, I would not have liked to have seen the government start regulating video games. Um, I appreciate that the ESRB system is a, is a form of self-regulation. Uh, and I appreciate that it is communicative towards consumers right on the front of the box in a standardized fashion Yes, to tell you that, okay, the last of us is not suitable for your five-year-old. Right. And super Mario brothers world is suitable for your Yeah. Suitable. So that distinction I, I think is great. I mean, Again, if the, if the government started telling me what my kids could or could not experience, uh, I don't know. It depends on who's in office. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I, but it, it, it truly, you're truly, you're, you're absolutely correct in that because it, it followed the same pattern as movies 
which I'm really happy yeah. about. Just a separate organization that educates those who can really only take a second out of their day who aren't into video games. You know, just a snapshot, you know, okay, if I'm giving this as a gift or a treat, or if I'm saying, you know, if I'm contributing to someone, I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm a parent of somebody or if I'm, you know, an uncle or whatever, uh, and if I'm giving this to a younger person, is this appropriate? You know, it's an appropriate gift. I, I don't have time to like go into their world and learn all their stuff. Show me a snapshot. Give me, give me a, a letter and a number and let me know if this is appropriate for their age. Um, yeah, that's fair. And yeah, and it's a very efficient system. Um, I haven't heard too many people be like, ah, oh, man, abolish the ESRB. I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, I mean. you know, the lesson of social media is there's a person for every, <laughs> you know, like idea that you could think of, of. course, every perspective. Right, right. There you go. Uh, but I think it's it was it was really great that Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, Doom, that these games could contribute uh, that aspect to the industry um, through this controversy. And that to me eliminates the whole concept of, well, it doesn't eliminate because again, like I could still buy the last of us and give it to my child if I wanted to, but it sort of takes the responsibility off of the games themselves to say, okay, well, nobody, you know, nobody said that uh, the last of us, know isn't marketed to kids but it's like now specifically you know it says on the on the cover this game is for alien isolation is for this age range right it's for this group this demographic it is not for you know don't hand it out at little johnny's birthday right and i think there was a there initially because you know the video game industry you know as it evolved it was like the wild west People were like, oh, people yeah, were just goodness. making stuff and see if they could get away <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there yeah, is yeah. there's a little bit of that, you know, wild, untamed things that are out there. And then there's also this uh, idea that like you can't tell me what to do. You know, I'm I'm my own you know company or I'm my own you know distribution thing. And like with you know Wolfenstein, Doom, uh, Quake, uh, Duke Nukem. Um, which, by the way, spoiler alert, we uh, we interviewed Duke Nukem and he'll be available on the podcast soon, uh, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, all these all these games, you know, they having some sort of uh, heads up to the parents is, I think, I think really, really uh, appropriate. It's appropriate to give everybody a heads up. But I'm, I'm also glad that they didn't put such a heavy regulation where all of a sudden they're not allowing blood in video games. They're not allowing certain storylines yes. to be told. Uh, you know. That would have been the government right. regulation. A ban. And a when ban you look, I re- exactly. When you look at world history and look at, okay, what does government regulation on entertainment looks like? Look, like what, what does that look like? Some of the extreme situations are pretty terrifying. Yeah, pretty terrifying. You're looking at banning almost everything. Uh, you know, eliminating almost everything the way that we have it now, people are free to create almost everything. You can think of some of the most heinous examples uh, of games that like, okay, like that should be like, what was it? Um, There was a, there was a game that was banned from steam and steam is like notoriously (laughs) or, or famously for you will publish anything yeah, anything yeah. <laughs> yeah you got an indie game um, we'll, we'll try it out yeah absolutely right like so much but 
then there's always oh, an active shooter simulator. Right, 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 right. Heinous. <sighs> like, come, come on. on. <laughs> right. You're asking for like, it. You're like if you, if yeah, you make exactly. a game like that and you're not, you're not thinking you're going to get the backlash from it. I mean, you know, well, I mean, it might've just been a horrible person, but like the fact is a horrible person can make a video game right. today. Like the, the, the resources exist for that. Uh, I believe steamed banned that one. I can't remember what the story was or where, where, or when it happened. Um, but good for them because I, I'm for, I'm for freedom of creation and so, and that person created that game, but that doesn't mean that steam has to host it, has to publish that's it, true. has to feature it on their platform. Yeah. It's their- so that's not, that's not censorship at all. The game exists. You just can't play it on steam. Right. And they, they have the, you know, they have some sort of, you know, uh, mark of integrity or mark of, you know, whatever, um, that is, uh, allowing, uh, for that leeway and saying, Hey, look at, this is where we draw the line, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, you know, yeah. we'll put, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put whatever on our platform, but right here, this is too much for us. You're going to have to host it on your own, on your own website. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that was a huge backlash over that game yeah. as, as should be. I mean, that is, yeah, terrible. Anyway. So, uh, you know, that huge, huge issues there. Um, you know, obviously we don't, we don't really get political on this show. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, that's for more interested hosts to, uh, <laughs> to tackle, let's say. Yeah. Um, but it is a complex set of issues at hand. Um, the ESRB historical situation that, w- that went down is, is worth your time to research listeners. Uh, so if you haven't, if definitely check that, check that out, read up on it, watch it. It's interesting. It is really interesting. Tired of the endless crusade of shifting through all the marked up, insincere, bloviated, fake listings dominating the gaming aftermarket? Have you visited joypadlad.com yet? The good guy of retro gaming isn't a moniker you pick up by mistake. Besides for an ever-shifting selection of video games, JoyPadLad boasts a collection of other items and categories ready for your perusal right now. There's gaming-related merch galore, licensed products, comic books, figures, mystery boxes, stickers, magnets, baubles and trinkets to suit any fancy, new and old, plus new projects coming this year. Check out JoyPadLad.com and tell them I sent you by accepting this coupon code for 10% off your purchase, RED10. That's RED10, R-E-D-1-0, for 10% off your order. Don't miss out. You never know when you'll find your next grail. Uh, let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about like the first one? Certainly we don't. Yeah. So let's not talk about annihilation (laughs) at all. (laughs) Can I just share a brief, uh, just a really brief story? Sure. If you got an anecdote about annihilation, please. I I mean, it wasn't released in the theaters. That was the whole thing. Like it wasn't released in the theaters. It was only released on video cassette. And I loved the first movie so much. I saw it four times in theaters with all my friends. We kept going back and seeing it. And, and you know, I got the cassette tape of the soundtrack and I would play it all the time and in my, uh, in my Walkman. And, and it, was, it was amazing, right? So those were the days and it was great. But when I heard there was a second Mortal Kombat movie, oh, and you have to go to, you have to, go to Blockbuster, Front Row Video or whatever to rent it. I, <laughs> I was like, yes, oh, yes. And I remember getting this videotape, bringing it home, throwing it in the VCR, pressing play, and you know, an hour and a half later or whatever, I was so angry. I I pulled the tape out so fast because when you hit the eject button 
for those of you who don't don't know, uh, when you press the eject button on a VCR, it goes and it's like slowly <laughs> spits it out, you know. And like I pulled this thing out of my VCR, I damaged my VCR, and it just it just pulled all the tape. All the tape out of it, and I was so angry. I threw it in its little box. I, I, uh, um, you know, walked because the video store was, was a walking distance. I walked, you know, all the way to the video store, and I gave it back, and I demanded my money back. I said, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. In my life, I've never seen a worse movie than this. This is so." Horrible. I want my money back. And the person said, you're the third third person to rent this video to say it. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I destroyed it. And and they said, okay, well, you have to pay for it. So I, I ended up paying for it instead of getting my money back. But um, it that was that's a terrible movie. An- yeah. Annihilation oh, yeah. is, is – it doesn't do justice to the franchise at all. You know? It is truly awful. Yeah. So uh, my – kid brother who I reference a lot on this show, 15 years younger than me, uh, didn't see Mortal Kombat 1 or 2 or Street Fighter. So what we actually ended up doing a couple of years ago is uh, he and I just sat down and watched a bunch of old video game movies. Wow. Um, showed him Tron, which is oh, still my favorite video game movie. Awesome. One of the best. Oh, it's so good. One of the best yes. ever. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, if we're talking licensed video game movies, though, because, again, Tron is kind of its own... I get, you know, which they released I, which it. I they love. had a game with it. Which I love. Yeah, no, know? that's, that's cool. Great. It's not an adaptation in that sense. It's its own thing. Uh, yeah. Um, but as far as the video game adaptations to film, uh, watching Mortal Kombat 1 with my wife last night, um, <laughs> she actually like enjoyed it more than I expected her to, mm. I guess. Um and I was at one point during the movie, I was like, so you realize like this was the best video game movie for she's like, for how long? I was like, for like 20 for like years, 20 years. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, for like two decades. Like the, and it, yeah. it was better than anything that came before it, you know, Super Mario Brothers or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, no, nothing could could beat this. This was amazing. And it was. Yeah. And there were so many like little shout outs that were just for the fans. That was so great like when uh, the, my favorite scene in mortal Kombat, uh the the first film was the beach fight between um this the, i think the guy is 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 credited as uh the monk or the unknown monk or something uh but the african-american gentleman with dreads and he has oh, he's yeah. fighting on the beach with Liu kang and it's Liu kang's first fight and um shang song says um, my island is now your battleground, and and you know n- you're never safe. Like you know, from now on, you're never safe, and and that was just such a great feeling to be like, okay, you're all now you're in Mortal Kombat. Like before, you were like this <laughs> guest at a hotel or something like that, but now you're not safe, and this is your first fight, and um, that fight is incredible. And I'll tell you for a couple reasons why it's great. Uh, for me, but I don't mean to <laughs> to talk too much here. Um, but um, at the end of the fight, uh, Shang Tsung pulls the guy's soul. He steals his mm-hmm. soul, and at the end, he says, "Fatality," and <laughs> and that's just like 
as a kid, when you're watching that, you get like those like Spider-Man No Way Home vibes. You know what I mean? Like you get that. You get that. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. I love it. That's the game that I've been playing for five years. It's great. You know, I love it. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think that uh, what what stepped out to me, what stood out to me uh, watching Mortal Kombat again um was how authentic it was to the game. Mm. Um and that's totally what you just pointed out as well, I think, in that um obviously it had to be expanded. It's a movie versus, you know, a, a fighting game where there's not you know, there's exposition, there's text, there's a few voice clips, but there's not much. It's not a novel right. adapting to film. It's it's a fighting game. So I think they took creative liberties where they would uh shang sung's age perhaps you know as far as visually but but watching this movie i was like this is this game totally way more than street fighter (laughs) way way more than super mario brothers absolutely way more than a ton of other video game adaptations (laughs) resident evil i didn't watch resident evil until later in life and I was like, that movie. I'm sorry, that movie sucks. You're right? Uh, it's it's and they, terrible. They all they all in, in in a way they all are their own thing. Um, the yeah. Resident Evil movies, and I'll just say this real quick: is that none of them have done justice to the actual game. If I don't hear Barry, where's Barry? If I don't hear that in the movie. I mean, come on, like, it's not, you know, like, <laughs> you know, Jill, if, if I don't hear these, like, but these things that when you play the game, there are reasons why there are fans of the game. And it's just like the early adaptations of like, you know, when Sony did, you know, Marvel properties, you know, it's like, they're just not getting it. It's, it's, it's adults yeah. looking down on these video games and saying, all right, so they're looking at like the cover and maybe a few, you know, gameplays and an instruction manual. And then they're like, all right, let's go write our own movie with the, with these right. elements. And it's like, yo, yeah. but, but because Ed Boone and John Tobias were involved in every step of making the movie Mortal Kombat, um, they wouldn't deviate from their story. They wouldn't deviate from, from this, these ideas. Um, and uh, and I think that's like you know you don't have <laughs> you don't have somebody who who made Mario on set you know you, you get a, right. an American team who gets the a license from Nintendo to go and make these uh, things and then they show it to you know Japan and they're just like well you know I mean it's a, for an American audience you know good luck you know it's uh, you you guys you know quote unquote know your audience so it better work. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's absolutely uh, what I well, I I like to say an element of apologizing for the game, right? In in a lot of video game movies, and it, like at a certain point, I'm sure every adult has asked, "Why are video game movies so bad?" <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the times, it's because they you know either production quality is awful or. They're trying to apologize for the fact that they're making a video game adaptation. Right, like it's embarrassing it for like, them. It's right, exactly. Like, like with comic book films, you know, they're just like, well, certainly we can't have a man flying around shooting lasers out of his <laughs> eyes. It's like, yes, you can. You can do <laughs> exactly. that. Surely we can't have, you know, Superman can't be purely hopeful in 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 a in a 
completely perfect sense, just <laughs> believing the best in people and loving everybody and being a friend to all. Surely that can. And it's like, yes, you can do yes, that. You can. you can, you can, you can try not to quote unquote. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, when you say, Oh, but we're just modernizing it. No, no. what you're doing <laughs> is you're cynicizing it. Yes. You're making it cynical. You're making it for adults. When you forget, I mean, a lot of these video games, freaking super Mario brothers. For children. Yeah. Yeah. For ch- I mean, able to be enjoyed by adults, obviously. But then you make this just dark, dystopian, moody film to put that a, completely misses the tone. To put a Reebok ad at the bottom of a Babam shoe, it doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's just yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, you guys don't yeah. get it. To make Yoshi, a, like, uh, all right, I'm not even going to get into it. Like, it, No, we can't get into that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, I, but, yeah. but. I, I hear what you're saying and it's 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 absolutely it rings absolutely true. Uh, the cynicism is is real. And those filmmakers, because I, I come from the filmmaking universe, it is absolutely like a like a for shame thing, especially in those in those days. It's like, what are we doing, guys? Like I was on the English patient, you know, like I, I filmed, you know, uh, Glenn Close in this movie. I was with Bruce Willis last week, like I'm making some stupid video game movie. Like who's going to, who's going to watch this crap? Like, you know, like yeah. the guy shoots fireballs. I was, I guess like whatever, you know, or, yeah. and they don't put enough resources. Or, when you look at what happens, like with the mortal Kombat reboot, when you have, and see to me, the mortal Kombat reboot, if we're talking about movies, you know, mortal Kombat films and, and content like that, when you look at the mortal Kombat reboot, it kind of swings too hard in the video game direction where it's like, you know, they made those effects really, really strong and really, really good, but it was still, it was still missing like, you know, chunks. It was missing chunks of things while they're trying to reintroduce other things. And, um, and hopefully they, they do even it out over a series of movies. Um, so we have yet to wait and see, but when you look at the original Mortal Kombat film, it was the whole video game from start to finish. It was, yeah. It, it felt like Luke Kang on that journey from start to finish, you know, and and then Shao Kahn shows up at the end and that's Mortal Kombat 2. And that's, Boom. you know, <laughs> there it and is. That, and the, another thing that dawned on me when watching it was it was fun. It was. Yeah. You know, my wife chuckled several times. <laughs> uh, I, I remembered all the, the jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. And the dance music kicks in. Dan, 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 dan. I'm like, this is the best. Like I, I sat up and I was like, this is the best fight scene in this movie right now. I don't care about the final boss fight. This fight scene totally. of Liu Kang versus Reptile is my favorite. And, and uh, yeah, and yeah. and Robin uh, uh, Cho, who's who's plays Liu Kang in that in that film, he was the fight choreographer um, and stunt choreographer, if I'm not mistaken, for that movie. And so you'll notice that his fights, he kind of takes the most risks. A lot of the other actors who had, you know, some sort of military or some sort of a martial arts training, um, you know, could do some kicks and some attacks. Like Sonya Blade is an example of this. Um, they had martial arts training and they were physical actors. But um, Robin was the one that like, you know, took like hits on the stairs in that reptile fight. You know, like, yeah. there's, some, there's some intense like yeah, intense stunts, crack some ribs. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, so those those fights are really, really cool. And uh, and if I could say this, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember a TV show called WMAC Masters? 
Oh, that name sounds super familiar. Okay, so this was, before there was a Mortal Kombat movie, this was a show that was Mortal Kombat. It was Mortal Kombat, the TV show. I'm so surprised this didn't catch on. And I, I every time someone says, oh, what show do you, you wish from the 90s do you wish to be rebooted? I say this show. Because this was like, it was insane. Ho Sung Pak, the man who plays Liu Kang in the video game, is the, is the Liu Kang of this show. And it was wow. about a group <laughs> of people coming together and, and, and it actually has ties to Mortal Kombat because the African-American gentleman who plays a character called Cyborg in that show is the uh, monk on the beach that fights. Oh, he's the, the same actor. the same actor. I'm looking at pictures yeah. right now. That's amazing. So there's that tie-in. And I, as a kid, I was watching the show, like loving it because it was, it was like a PG-13, you know, it was like a PG version of Mortal Kombat, right? There was no blood and people would just get defeated if they were hit three times, you know? So it was a tamer version, but it was, I mean, it was exactly the same. Uh, so I thought, yeah. So if there's anybody out there who likes that show, you know, definitely, or if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, it's really great. So the name really seems familiar looking at it now. I don't know that I've actually ever seen this. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to have to check. Yeah. It out. Check it out. That's good. Wow. Well, uh, you know, a question that comes to mind is mortal Kombat any good again. I, I think that it's still one of the better video game movies just because there's so many at, uh, at one point, a friend and I, uh, we're talking about making a, a podcast together and, um, you know, like, well, what should we talk about? And he's like, dude, let's do an episode per video game movie. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could survive right. that. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun. Sure. You know, two of us just kind of tearing in like mystery science theater kind of yeah. thing, uh, tearing into the, some of these films, but there's a, there's an astonishing number, uh, of video game adaptations to film, uh, not even just in English, but you right. know, in Japanese, there's there's quite a few others. But a question from Carrie eighty six: What do you think about the movies? I think we covered that. And he also tagged on, "Why is Katana so hot?" <laughs> I don't have the science down as far as like you know what are the attractive features for Carrie eighty six. Well, I mean, this uh, for Carrie eighty six, it's obvious. We all know why Katana is so hot, and that's because she's ten thousand years old. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's, she's aged like a right. Life. She's got she's got the experience, man. That's 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 what's all the experience <laughs> of all that all that knowledge from Outworld. I mean, you know, it's like uh, Seinfeld. You know, imagine the possibilities. You know. Yeah, it's it's so there is a there is a storytelling trope, and I know you know about this as a storyteller as well, uh, where your your mains have to grow when you remove the mentor character. Yeah, uh, and Raiden in this movie is like, I can't go with you into the other world, <laughs> and like, but why? But why it's like, it's just <laughs> it, it's in the rules or something. And it's like, okay, fine, you know. So then you have to do it yourself, and it's like. Oh, okay. And then they grow as characters. I feel like in this movie, there's two mentor figures though. There's, uh, there's Raiden. And then there's also princess Kitana. Yeah. Um, Did, because she provides that vital information to Luke Kang. Yeah. Kitana kind of takes, 
takes the mantle when where Raiden can't go, you know, where Raiden can't follow. Yeah. And she's and uh, uh, Raiden is also he's he's known for being just too about the rules, you know, like Raiden is always, follow, you know, the elder gods. I have to consult the elder gods about this. It's like, dude, you're an elder god. Like you make your own decision, <laughs> yeah. bro. You know, like, um, but uh, it's so interesting how he's constantly trying to uh, influence or just make the thing fair. He's just trying to put balance to it. And it's, it's very interesting. His, his, what he chooses to involve himself in. And uh, it's kind of written off as like, you know, because he's a deity, you know, he's, he kind of can see certain outcomes or he has knowledge from other gods that, you know, instruct him on, on the ways of things. But, you know, Shang Song doesn't, doesn't follow any rules. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't care. And he just, uh, Shao Kahn for that matter. He's just, yeah, he's just running around. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic for a villain. Probably my favorite character in, uh, in that movie, Shang Tsung. Oh yeah. He's he, the actor is fantastic. In fact, he's so iconic. He's like the uh, green goblin of the Mortal right. Kombat universe. Like they won't <laughs> let anybody else play him, you know, like he's, he's always Shang Tsung, you know? And, um, uh, you know, in the, in the latest version of Mortal Kombat, in the in the reboot of the movie, they they have a different um, actor playing him. But even in Mortal Kombat 11, the most recent iteration, they've got, you know, they they uh, motion captured this actor's face. Oh, I loved that when I saw. I haven't played the the latest one. Oh, it's fantastic. When I saw that with his with his your soul, is <laughs> they, they actually I was just like, that's the guy. Yeah, they do the angle <laughs> too. They do the camera angle, the same camera yes. angle from the from yes. the movie, you know. And uh, amazing, it's amazing. Yeah, so it's good. so great, it so good. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. Tagawa, yeah. Uh, my definitely my favorite character in uh, in that. I think he plays a great villain that is constantly like the rules clearly say. <laughs> xyz and then you're like okay but then you're just gonna break them <laughs> yourself yeah um great it's great stuff and i i, I mean and here's also the, there's a just a wonderful thing and i know that it's a little cringy and i know that it can come off cheeseball in the in the <laughs> in the um in the first mortal Kombat movie but there is something so um uh, inspiring about the idea that when Shang Tsung challenges you, it's a it's a kiss of death, you know, pun intended with him challenging Sonya. Um, but it is terrifying. You do not want to be challenged by Shang Tsung. You know he's going to win. You know he's going to take your soul. It's like the worst thing. And the whole time, Raiden is trying to prepare Liu Kang. And Liu Kang's trying to say, am I really the one to take on this mantle to fight this guy? And and Raiden says, you know, when this time comes, when he does challenge you, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. And at the end of the film, it is Liu Kang who challenges uh, Shang Tsung. And it's Shang Tsung who's afraid of Liu Kang. And, ah. and that is a really powerful story, right? That's a really powerful, like, he realizes, I, you know, and the, the line is, I am the chosen one, right? Like, he, he owns right. that. He owns that responsibility. And... The, that fight where he's like, you know, it's that classic like Dragon Ball Z thing where it's like, will he win? Won't he win? It's back and forth. And then at the end, he he does this kind of like double punch that turns into kind of a faux fireball and knocks him off the cliff. And it's just like, you're up out of your seat. You're up out of your seat. I was, I threw popcorn at the screen when that happened. I was, 
<laughs> I, when I was a kid, I was just like, and he just wrecks them too. He's doing like the double yeah. punches and all the combos. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. And then he throws a fireball yeah. right there at the end. And you're like, I got to see some magic. <laughs> Finally. <today. laughs> I got some great magic. Yeah. Yes. I, I love that. Um, I think that really was a good move to have Liu Kang have an emotional arc. Yes. Um, through this. It wouldn't have had the same payoff had Johnny Cage or Sonya been the one to defeat uh, Shang Tsung. I think that Mortal Kombat's interesting and then it has several main characters, but Liu Kang absolutely is the central figure of that film. I mean, it starts with his arc, it concludes with his arc. Absolutely. It is satisfying that he's the one. That gets to defeat the sorcerer. So <laughs> that's right. Super and, cool. and he doesn't yeah. also, I'll just add this. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do it uh, out of vengeance. You know, it, it can be perceived that that maybe been his original intention, you know, but uh, in the end he does it out of justice. Yeah. Well, I think they make it a really interesting uh point to bring up his sense of guilt mm-hmm. over his brother's death. Yeah. Um, and uh, an idea of, you know, vengeance is rage is I think about as alien from Liu Kang by the end of the film as imaginable. Right. But, uh, vengeance is duty perhaps, but even more so just, this is the rules that you're working within. You've been challenged. You will challenge. That's the final boss fight. He's got to be there. He has to get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Final boss fight. Yes, you're right. Yes. Oh, man. Whenever I watch a video game movie or even some non-video game movies, one of my favorite totally. things is they're like, all right, final boss fight time. Here we go. <laughs> exactly. I tell my fiance that the same thing. I'm like, this is the boss fight. You know? Yes. Like, yes. You're about to see his XP go up huge here. Yes. So Mortal Kombat 1, the Batman 89 to Mortal Kombat Annihilation. The Batman and Robin. I think, <laughs> oh wow! Is what you're Perfect at comparison. Perfect comparison. <laughs> one is we're making a toy commercial. <laughs> the other one is let's make this movie. Yeah, let's make we, this. We thing. made the game. We made the thing. And you know, I listening to that interview that I mentioned earlier, where the actors were talking about they're just excited to be a part of this big movie, and there were no. There were no bad actors in the sense of there was nobody. What did Robin say? He said there was no evil on the set. There's no <laughs> prima donna. There was no, yeah. you know, people just trying to get what they can out of the situation. Yeah, no one it phoning it in. Creatives either. coming together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone's I mean, now obviously, it. I don't think that anybody deserves an act, like an Oscar for that, <laughs> for like performance in that movie. No, of course as far not. as like the acting performance, the stunts, fantastic. I mean, people got really hurt. Yeah. But like, you know, Lambert's there doing his weird thing. <laughs> like there's just, there's parts it's, it's got hokiness to the acting, but, but they're trying, that's what you would expect. Everybody's yes. putting their effort in, you know, you can, see and that's it. what you would expect though, because it's a video game at the, at its heart. They're not trying to make it this, you know, a, a drama for the ages, you know, <laughs> right. where like it's super serious and stuff. It's not, I mean, it's got elements of drama in it, but, it knows that it doesn't have to take itself super seriously. And I think that's a really special thing about Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I agree. Hey, let's do some final audience questions, my friend. Uh, By the way, folks, if you want to ask a question or share a comment to get a mention on this show, then keep an eye out on my Twitter at the well-read mage, where I announce the topics for each mage cast episode in advance 
Or if you don't have a Twitter, you can email me at thewolverinmage at gmail.com. The next episode, we're going to be talking about Octopath Traveler. That's going to be with two guests. Uh, so look forward to that one. It's going to be in the coming week. Octopath, great game. Uh, widely misunderstood game, I'm going to say. True. <laughs> yeah. Very but true. Great game. Very excited for that one, too. I'm going to listen to that one. Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, I should, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> First question here from Teacher Bloke eighty five. What's your favorite voice clip in Mortal Kombat? I remain convinced to this day that one of the things Raiden shouts as he flies across the screen is, "Hey, get to the car!" <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's. Uh, I think that's exactly what he says, uh, <laughs> um, or some variation of that. Uh, those are all. That's a great one. That is a great sound clip. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great um, like you know, Wilhelm screamish type, yeah. you know, sounds <laughs> in the original Mortal Kombat. Um, I, I don't know. I think one of my favorites is just the, when you go on the high punch or low punch, uh, when you, you know, tap that as hard as you can, as fast as you can, and someone walks into those furies, flurries of punches, they go, that's just a lot of fun. And then they kind of stumble back because they don't get caught uh, into that. That's that's kind of one of my favorites. Uh, that's wonderful. I, is there a more iconic, you know, very garbled synthetic sound clip than get over here? <laughs> like that is industry dominated. Totally. Right I completely <laughs> agree. That is, that is, you know, so iconic and memorable that, you know, when, and when they did it in the mortal Kombat movie, they just started putting it in everything. Like when Johnny Cage is too high, he says, get down here. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like you could just put it with anything, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. so, it's so great. Yeah, that is great. Question from a couple questions from games with coffee. Who was your biggest challenge to fight? In Mortal Kombat 1, favorite fatality, and have you ever cleared the Test Your Might minigame? Now, on that topic, Magimetal chimed in and said, I remember getting bloody knuckles in order to beat the <laughs> hardest level of the brick-breaking feature. We'd literally just knuckle down and rub them back and forth as you fast as you can. <laughs> I remember bloody knuckles as a kid where you would smash your fists right. against your friend's knuckles, yeah. but that's literally bloody knuckles so have you ever beaten the test your might minigame no no never i i think it's uh i i tried uh in my older years i beat the other test your might ones but in mortal kombat one you had to be you know you had to be machine level fast at at tapping that button um and yeah you have to you use your you use your knuckles and you 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 know you you rub them across the uh, all the buttons so you can tap more than one button, you know at the same time in rapid succession. Um, I mean that's like kind of like the way to get it to get it to work. But tapping one button, no, no way. <laughs> it's too it's too hard. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm convinced there's no end to that minigame. It's just there's no way to beat it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just it's just impossible. Favorite fatality. Scorpion. I, I mean, I was a scorpion guy, so the flame thing was awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was awesome, too, to see, like, a full skeleton, like, fall to its knees and and uh, him to have the skull uh, skull yeah. face. That was great. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, it was probably – I loved uh, Liu Kang's fatality where he does, like, you know, a cartwheel and a half, and then he does this sweet uppercut and just kind of knocks your head off, and that was cool. 
or he would, you know, knock you into the pit, which would be if you did it on the pit level, you would fall all the way. To, so you almost got like a double fatality out of it. So that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, Definitely, yeah. Two for one deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final question here, Vox Geyser. Why is Rambo the best guest character in franchise history? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a hilarious uh, that's a hilarious question. Um, I I don't know I I don't know if Rambo's the best character in the in in the franchise the best guest character in franchise history. For me, uh, for me, I'm a huge comic book fan. Uh, when I saw Spawn in the video game, oh. I lost my mind. I I lost my mind because you know Todd, Todd McFarlane, who who makes Spawn, is is very protective of his property, you know. And I think that, at, you know, because he owns an, all those rights, he would really only share it with very few, and you know, and he would share it with Ed Boon and 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 with Mortal the Mortal Kombat franchise, and then they bring back the actor who played the voice of spawn on the hbo series uh to voice this character in the mortal Kombat video game i was just like i mean i I was so excited i mean they got you know uh an impress an impersonator for stallone they got an impersonator for schwarzenegger um but you know they got the real guy for um for spawn so i was super super excited about that um and uh so I think Spawn is is probably the best uh, guest character in the more recent ones, um, but of course RoboCop and Terminator. I mean, we've been waiting for that for that uh, age old argument to land forever, you know. So and Mortal Kombat gave <laughs> Who would us those, win? right. Mortal Kombat <laughs> gave us those two options, so we could constantly see that uh, you know that interaction you know happen play out. You know, so I think that's really great. I, but I'm not knocking Rambo. I mean, I love, I love the movies. I love the character. And I think it's pretty cool that they, uh, that they put him in mortal Kombat. And if I could maybe piggyback off this question and ask another question, uh, if you could make a mortal Kombat character, who would it be? Oh. You know, gosh, what well, character sorry, are would you, you asking choose? if I could get any character to guest in a, in a mortal Kombat game. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so looking at who's here, there's some amazing picks. I mean, I'm seeing the Xenomorph. That's awesome. Joker. Mm-hmm. That totally seems like a character you would add to mortal Kombat. Totally. Uh, spawn really cool. I, gosh. Um, you know what 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 might have blown as a basic answer, but you know what might have blown people's minds is uh, Earthworm Jim. No, it's, uh, oh, that would have been I mean, that would have that would have oh, I mean, like a, wow. a highly realistic Earthworm Jim. Oh, that uh, would have been that, incredible. Oh, what I a was great gonna choice. say I was gonna say Darth Vader oh. uh, as my basic answer, and then right before I was like, oh, Earthworm Jim, dude, that would have been cool. Would have been amazing. <laughs> He would have had like a fatality where, he, you know, he whipped his head or whatever or something. You know, that that's a fantastic answer. That's a great it's, answer. Oh, yeah, wow. Definitely a character they could have done a lot with. Uh, dude's getting a, uh, a reboot cartoon or something like that. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a new game that's coming or is out for the new Intellivision. So uh, he may be coming back on the radar, kind of like a relic of the gross-out <gasps> mascot era. Yeah, I love <laughs> him. I love that era. And we've been reaching out to him, the creator of Earthworm Jim, for about five months now. So, you know, hopefully he uh, he responds to us soon. And it's uh, it's very exciting to 
um, to reach out to those old retro guys and also to see them come back to the forefront. That's very exciting. Yeah. Well, my friend, I think that's a podcast. Um, so <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. where can I have such listeners- a good time? Yeah, it's it's good. We're gonna have to talk with you again sometime. Uh, I think it would be interesting to pick another game that's attached to a movie and kind of pick your brain more on the movie aspect. Yeah, for sure. uh, Next time. But uh, Vlad, where can our listeners find you? Well, they can find me uh, on heroes of gaming podcast.com. And that's, uh, that's my website that connects to buzzsprout, but I'm now available on Twitch at heroes of gaming podcast, TikTok, heroes of gaming podcast and uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter is the only one that doesn't say Heroes of Gaming Podcast. It's just Heroes of G. So uh, you can find me on all those platforms, and please uh, come follow and uh, and listen to all the stories of the people that make the games we love. Please do, my friends. Definitely go and check that out. Uh, thanks very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Oh, Moses, I, I feel exactly the same way. Thank you so much for the opportunity and, and to hang out and talk about one of the best game franchises ever. Heck yeah. What what an influence. Uh, you know, I was thinking about not too long ago. Uh, I think I'd asked a question last month. Uh, what is the the most influential video game? Uh, maybe an impossible question to answer. But then thinking about the genres, what is the most influential fighting game? The mind, I think, instantly goes Street Fighter 2. And, you know, rightly so. Uh, would we have had the ESRB rating system without Mortal Kombat? Again, it wasn't the only fighting game that was violent. It wasn't the only violent video game, but it was a popular, uh, fairly graphic fighting game. So I don't know. I mean, there's no way to answer those questions specifically. I don't think Night Trap could have done it by itself, but what an influence. What an influence. And you can also see the the evolution of the entire uh, video game uh, community with both uh, mechanics and graphics and storyline and and additions and skins and downloads. You can see all this stuff. You know, you can see Mortal Kombat being a part of each individual. I mean, you even look at like the Nintendo uh, 64 era and you look at all these different, you know, Mortal Kombat 4, um, which was three-dimensional, you know, it was like the Virtual Fighter. And, you know, you, you start climbing all these different games. You can even look at uh, Dark Alliance or Injustice, where you see um, them actually, you know, borrowing uh, franchises, you know, partnering with franchises like the DC Universe. So you can see these these influences that take place. And it's, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat's been there, you know, ever since. Yeah, I, I kind of a constant. And it yeah. is interesting to... To hear of it still going, I mean, I, I feel like I'm jazzed to check out the new film now. Yeah. Whereas previously I was like, mm. but <laughs> no, definitely check it out. It's it's worth a watch for sure. Awesome. All right, Vlad. Well, you have an excellent day. Uh, thanks very much again. You too, Moses. Real pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to help support the show, you can leave us a rating and a review on any number of apps, including now Spotify, as well as Apple and Podchaser. You can also visit us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where episodes are offered for early access. 
If you'd also like to learn more, you could visit thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, or find me on Twitter and Twitch at the Red Mage. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons.